All right. We ready to go? I think we are ready to go. Hello and welcome to this, the Ian Prendercast, another Carlton podcast brought to you as always by the good people at 121 Media and MGA. My name is Sean Peter Budge. I'm back on the con, as it were, this week, and I'm joined by the good doctor who is positively beaming following an eight-point weekend. 100%, Sean. It was, um, it was a very, very, very welcome change. Which one do you want to talk about first, I suppose? Oh look, we, we'll we'll touch on the orange tsunami later on, um, but um, but yeah. <laughs> I like how people are just like positively losing their mind over like even Frio. So I watched, I watched a, a, a fair bit of that game. Yep, and I prob- didn't watch a lot. Well, to probably be as a neutral, disappointed. Yeah, yep. that it was just not a great contest. You sort of like ah, oh, it's a, it's a bit of a dud game because. You don't really want to watch a game that you have no investment in. You don't really want to watch a twelve-goal no, result. Right. And and I think too, and and I think it came out in some of the commentary afterwards in a couple of the press conferences. Fremantle had obviously been a team who had wanted to be hard to score against, and I think they needed to be that way because their forward line's just not very good at the moment. Well, on a weekend where. And, and, and everyone has good performances, bad performances. Mm. Freo put in a stinker, and GWS just got to play the brand of footy that they wanted to. I like and to the overreaction generally that, like, Freo, up until... Because who they lose to last week? Richmond. Yeah. But, like, their run up until them had, had been pretty good. They, were, they looked like they were back to the sort they of footy sort of they were playing, playing last footy year. And, they have, yeah. and you go, they've had a couple of bad weeks, and we're going to talk about, you know, ultimately what does our performance mean. Going, well, we actually don't know what... Last week means until we play again. And in the same way, the Dockers, you go, you've had an absolute stinker. Yep. They weren't disgraced the week prior against Richmond. It was a, you know, a bit of a nip and tuck sort of game, and Richmond ended up getting away from them a bit at the end. But you go, well, until they play again, well, maybe it means absolutely nothing. Maybe they yep. come out and right the wrong and have a good win. And then all of a sudden, I think it's just the, the general problem with footy media, uh, neatly wrapped up in a nice, with a bow. They've had a bad week. They're an absolute shocker. Yep. Let's. I mean, you told the story, and I'd forgotten about it. About that legend, you know, that fantastic Richmond team just getting wiped off the face of the earth by a really run of the mill St Kilda team. Yep. Who just everything went perfectly, and in the end, it meant nothing. Correct. That's exactly but it was a, it was right. a wonderful one-off night of footy where you went, "What was that?" Yeah. And and, and again, I I messaged Adam. Um. N- another story I'll tell a little bit later okay, on, right. but um. I, I messaged him and I said... Does uh, it involve some kind of dip? No. Does it involve some kind of... Yeah. <laughs> no, it was a horse. Actually. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> but um, he, I, I just sort of said to him, uh, I won't get a chance to be able to watch much of it today, got things on. Um, what, what do you see happening? And it's a line that he's used a lot in his press conferences. He said, if we can finish our work, we'll win. And I thought, it's pretty confident. Are you somewhat bemused that he's talking to you like a member of the press? Well, as you sort of say, it's a little yeah. bit more guarded. Well, the Ian Prendercast is a oh, uh, industry-leading uh, fans podcast. That so is, that yeah. is correct. That is very correct. Now, of course, the new host of the Ian Prendercast is not here. Um, 
he had one week of above normal preparation in him and he's needed a spell. Uh, so Fab's not with us today. And uh, that's a shame because having drawn rave reviews for his efforts as host, um, there was a poll, Tim. I don't know if you saw that. but I did not see uh, the Declared poll. last week's efforts uh, as one of the great all-time episodes. I thought he did an excellent job. I wouldn't go that far. But, well, um, no, I know you wouldn't. But <laughs> I wouldn't go on that principle, far, but, uh, you wouldn't. <laughs> you yeah. wouldn't even if you thought that he did. I do love this whole, you know, I'm so busy shtick that Fab runs with. Uh, it, does, it does amuse me. But there's busyness and, and with work and there's bristle, busy, but, busyness with oh, family. Like I don't know, mate. Well, you, you've always got to be playing your role when you're in partnership with your, with your wife and looking after your kids and all that sort of stuff. You, you can't, is, he, is he any busier than, than you or I? Well, he's got – his kids are younger than me, than, than mine. They're clearly younger than you, yeah. Yeah. Uh, correct. Um, and so, obviously, when you're ferrying them around to events here, there, and everywhere, whether it's school-related, church, sport, what about whatever the, else, what family. About, what about the thing that you are conveniently forgetting or conveniently omitting, Dr. Davis? What, what is that? Is that he does the least to get this podcast off the ground week to week. Well, I reckon you're doing him a bit, bit of a disservice. I, I, I think. Do you? So, are you saying because you don't do more than me? Well, I don't think it's a competition, and I don't he certainly doesn't do more than you. Well, that's and that, we that's, all that's, go to him. But it, but I think part of the charm. If he said, "I'm standing in the middle of a field in Wallen for the next three hours," that's when I can record. We'd probably go and meet him there. He has a couple of challenges that makes everyday life a little bit harder for. You know, than than you and I ever have to deal with. I mean, look, we don't want to share too much about our uh, sanitary uh, habits and all that sort of stuff. But I've just walked into your house and charged immediately to the toilet because I had a um, a strong skinny latte and a Coke Cafe Zero that had gone straight right through, through me. Went <laughs> through you like last night's vindaloo. <laughs> but um, but Fab's Fab has those considerations a whole lot more than you and I do. He's never more than four meters from a toilet. Well, it's the No point. matter where he records. Well, okay. Well, there might be that too, but... I think, and I've said this before, I'll be honest with our listeners. That's what I want to be at all times. I want to level with them. I don't think he's got many more in him. Well, the one thing that I've said to him... You know that Mitch and- McGovern's played more games than he's done podcasts this year? <laughs> That's not a joke. Okay. That's a strange stat that you've brought out. But I, I've long said, obviously, we have a little bit of a formula, whether it's... Um, Dedicated or otherwise, where you provide the structure and the scaffold and the skeleton to what we're doing, you don't share the run sheet with us. So obviously what you're after is... Spontaneity. Spontaneity. So therefore, why would you want him to be doing this vast amount of preparation you no, claim that he doesn't week. do? I did no preparation last week. I did the. I performed the role of... You did very well. You got out of your comfort zone. Admirably. And and, and once you once you dropped your pettiness... There was no pettiness. Actually, there was a lot of pettiness. I like how Fab was trying to say my <laughs> handing the reins over to him was ego. And it was like, I would suggest it's the handing over control is the opposite of ego. Well, ultimately, when once you once you dropped the, the, no the, the facade and you were ready to contribute, I thought you did an amazing job for Nothing, a guy that did no preparation. I did zero prep, and I was there to show that it's just, I it could can do be that done. as well. It can be done. Uh, no, I think he'll be retiring from the pod shortly. So our listeners, with the next couple of weeks, might be a bit of a Fabian Guadagnolo testimonial on the podcast. So just enjoy the time I think we've got left with him. Um, and do get around him because, again, Tim, he'll say it's he's not, but he's he's flat as a plate of piss lately. So 
Get around him, everyone. Give him some love. Give him some kisses and some cuddles. And digressing, you can wish his two sons a happy birthday as well. So yeah, they're, they're celebrating birthdays this week. So very happy birthday to Harvey and Alexander from all the uh, Prendercast listeners. They don't listen. Um, Prender DJ, last week Fab played Dangerous by Roxette. He didn't tell anyone what the theme was. I assume it was just him hosting the show. Be dangerous <laughs> and be loose. And uh, I assume that's what it was. He... Uh, just when he does get back in the hosting chair, and if you are listening, you will, because um, otherwise the show will just start. There'll be silence. <laughs> um, just gotta, you just got to tick these little segments off, big man. You know, the, the printer DJ, you got to get back in it. you got to make sure that you, you get the tweets and you get the, you know, whoever's got the theme right. And you gotta, If you're not going to be on the show, you've got to just do some housekeeping and tell us what the theme is. You don't just leave it for me or Timbo to fumble around in the dark and go, I assume this is what he was thinking. I did speak to him earlier today, but the question of what was last week's uh, Prender DJ theme was not part of our discussion. I usually share it right at the very end of every record once we click off. Yeah. So some some RFIs, some room for improvement. There we go. Uh, it was never going to be perfect first uh, time. No, certainly not. And um, by the way, the Blues are back bangers um, this week. About you know, time you've been uh, able to buy them. <laughs> been able to take the, uh, take the, the these take the have been off. built up a lot. They better be very good. They are, I think, three different yet quintessentially nineties tunes. That scares me already. I think even Fab, who's I like it. I get like the tarred with the cynical brush. And you look at it's a shame we don't record this. Every time we play a song, and the the way he bristles that it's you know, it's not his personal favourite track. Um, I think even even him, even he will listen to these tunes and go, yeah, okay, grudgingly. I think so. Do seek out his review of whatever the tunes end up being, because um, I think he'll I think he'll give him a pat on the back, um, which might be difficult for him to do, but I think he'll do it. Uh, reviews. Did get a couple of review, uh, reviews this week, which is excellent. Uh, do keep them coming. If you would like to be given a shout out on the show, give us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, Fatty R, he, his his review is titled "Dead Inside." Uh, <laughs> G'day, boys. Jerry McGee from Mount Eliza. I think he was the guy that you caught up with on at Arthur's seat or something. <laughs> Thanks for the shout out. Not a listener, but this bloke sitting next to me at the game started talking to me, and it was a pleasure. <laughs> I like it, <laughs> uh, Marshy. Two one one. I always get worried. Like Marshall, I was like, I was gonna, I was gonna be like, is that two hundred and eleven? Could be tall. Or is it twenty one one? Marshy, two hundred and eleven. I find myself hanging out for the therapy each week. Lucky the boys releasing episodes earlier after games this season because it's only uh, the only way to decompress from the Twitter threads to be uh, the pushing three hour episodes. It's everything needed to get me through the week. Uh, since Dad has dropped the blues, it gets earlier each season. It's great to have the banter in the chat. Keep it going. P.S. Keep Fab happy because he's a vital link. Go Blues. Well, I don't know about that, Marshy. You had me up until that last bit. <laughs> I think he's bang on. I think he was bang on for about 97% of that. I don't think that was excellent. And then that last bit, I was like, eh, I don't know. Uh, we're going to get into the show now, Timbo. Are you ready? I'm ready. So the first segment heading I have here was just the circuit breaker. Yep. Mm. So we spoke last week about needing a circuit breaker and even going so far as to amuse what that needed to or could be. It turns out that the circuit breaker was a pretty meek Suns outfit prepared to play their role as live kill. Well, I think, like, I always thought coming into this, there was a clear theme for the game. And 
I'm going to quote my father, Richard Davis. Okay, Dick and Davis. Big Dicky always used to say, and I've, we've talked about this on pod many, many a time, but the quote is, you're only ever two goals away from top form. Is this that ridiculous that thing that was on SCN a while ago, you're only ever six centuries away from the Australian cricket team? And it's <laughs> no. like, what? <laughs> no. Um, but, yeah, no, Dad always used to just say, and it doesn't matter what level of footy you're playing at, what sport you're playing, it's just when you get momentum, when you find momentum, however you've managed to do it, once you've got it, it's it can be very, very hard to give up. And, uh, and, and it was – I just – it took me a while to get excited about it because you sort of thought, oh, well, well, you've given us good, but when does the bad come? Now, ultimately, when you kick 12 unanswered, it's sort of like, I think it's our day. Um, but... Um, Did you see the thing, I think it was the Swamp thing on Twitter, had a thing, it's the first time we've kicked 12 unanswered goals. In, in 25 years. Or whatever, or and you're sort of thinking, it's a lot of goals. Yeah, well, it is. That doesn't happen a lot. But the fact that we'd only been able to provide six a week, three weeks in a 100%. row. We've but done I, two games worth in 40 minutes of footy. But I love this, this snide, dismissive nonsense from the really butthurt, particularly Collingwood fans. Oh, yeah. They were so desperate for the Suns to win. Um, and it, you just thought, you have 12 goals in a row. That's a lot of goals. Yeah. Well, what, speaking of Collingwood, I don't know why. No, I do know why. I did it because of you. Oh, okay. And this is a good thing. Oh, excellent. Inspiring the next generation. No, no, no. Well, you talked, You talked. I think it was last episode, about um, our eight-goal quarter against Collingwood and how we played some of the best footy of the season in that moment. So how can we have regressed so far from it? And I thought, I didn't want to watch the last quarter. No. But I thought, I'll just watch the third quarter. And I actually only got about just inside of 20 minutes into it. So I didn't get to watch it all, but... And when I looked at it, I thought, gee, it wasn't classically brilliant football, but what it was was there was an effort and a desperation and everybody bought in and we worked hard and, and, and there was a real drive behind it that we hadn't seen in a while. And that was the second quarter in the end. Like once we got that little bit of, and, and again, the very first thing I wrote was nourishment. Uh. I hate the word, but we actually got it. And you actually saw... You could see a change in the way our players were going about what they were doing. Though they were chasing and tackling with um, an effort we've not seen. We were we were sticking tackles that for a very long time you hadn't seen, and it, all of a sudden there was there was a preparedness to work. The tackle count, you know, reflected it. General aggression went up, and we were desperate. It was, and and they celebrated when they kicked their goals as well. And it was like, how good is this? Well, yeah, I mean, the point you make there, nourishment. We all take the piss out of the word, and it's good too. It's good that it's it's good that that's a part of the footy lexicon, which has very very quickly reached take the piss out of its status. Yeah, we haven't let it become this fucking beast. Well, it's like the green shoots. Isn't oh it? yeah. You know, See, that took a little bit too long to reach. Yeah. like shut up. Stop saying yep, it. Yep. But yeah, when you've been dining out on crusty brand imitation gruel for the last <laughs> six weeks, uh, anything looks like uh, a beautiful T-bone steak. What, what, what did um, Eddie Murphy say? He goes, uh, when he'd been, he was saying when he'd been denied sex and, you know, all of a sudden, you know, he, he, he thought he was getting, so that must be some amazing cracker. It goes, no, 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 it's just regular crackers. <laughs> <laughs> so I think the beauty with the Suns is ultimately for us, we needed that, I use the term, live kill. And once we sort of got rolling yep, uh, and the good times got rolling, they sort of didn't really give much of a yelp. They were a little bit more organised in the second half without being terribly threatening. 
but even then, I, I don't know how you saw it. It started very anemically. It was a low-scoring game. It was very chess-like. The first and quarter was hard to hard watch. Hard to watch. I, I made that comment to Jay next to me. I thought, this this is horrible to watch without knowing what was coming. But, but um, Gold Coasts want to kick 16-metre kicks. You know, it's sort of like they were trying to... Well, they want to test our concentration, yep. our fitness. They yep. want to move the zone around a little bit because yep. they know that... Typically speaking, we don't seem to be all overly diligent. Yep. We don't and I think they probably, we don't hand over very well. Well and they probably also thought that we might stick with them for two possessions, three yep. possessions, four possessions, but we've kind of lost the will to live, so eventually they might get through us that way just through sheer like, yeah. like we're just apathetic to the to, to want to be part of the contest. They probably thought as well, the longer we can keep the game in the balance. Yep. They'll tighten up. They're more likely they'll fall away. Yeah, well, not even fall away as such. Go, but if we can keep it in, in, you know, if we can keep the contest sort of up for grabs or alive, if you will, the longer we can manage to do that, they'll actually get nervous yep. and they'll lose their way and that'll fall apart because then we've got to chase the game and that's how they've beaten us a couple times in yep. the past. Yep. Um, not by blowing us off the face of the earth, but by just hanging around, hanging around, and then we get nervous and we tighten up and we lose the plot. And the other thing that I couldn't help but think too is last season seems a very, very long time ago, but we were playing good footy, we were in contests, and of course, Cripp has done a hamstring, a marginal hamstring against Gold Coast very early. We, um, we subbed him out, and once we lacked him between Jared Witts having one of the great games for a big ruckman who we just couldn't counter, and a young midfield core that were up and about, and it was in the Gold Coast and all that sort of stuff. Early in the year. They feasted on us in that game, and we didn't give a yelp afterwards. And and, and to then be able to do a little bit in reverse this time around, you know, was kind of nice to see. And then ultimately, you know, we spoke just before about Frio became the Heave Ho podcast momentarily. Um could it be something like uh, your uh, Superman capes or something? I don't know. What's like a Frio don't have an overly rich history to draw on, do they? Well, Matthew Pavlich that pulled. Was, yeah, it was Wolfie time. Wolfie time. I mean, Wolfie yeah. time's not bad. Yeah. If you got to have a Dockers podcast, um, or the Wankers, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> the Shitfish was what they had on the footy show years ago. <laughs> Extraordinary stuff. Uh, this is a branding exercise. When you look back on it, it's the, the, the Dockers. You're like, okay, so what's our <laughs> our club mascot is? An anchor. Oh, oh, an anchor or a wharfie. Yeah, or a wharfie holding an anchor. Or a wharfie holding an anchor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. excellent. Um, and ultimately, you know, I mentioned them, come game's end, we haven't really answered any questions, but what we have done is given ourselves a much-needed uh, re- pressure release. Yep. Um, and ahead of the buy, really important not to go into the buy further mired in, you know, just ugh. But... I think what the most pleasing thing for me out of the win was everyone got a lick of the ice cream, didn't they? And that was the thing. As I, because I, because Jay likes the show and what listens a lot, um, a couple of times throughout, I sort of said to him, "Does he try know, to seed? Like, does he does he try to seed ideas? Does yeah, he, he does. Yeah. yeah, he's he's good at sending the odd message yeah. here and there, and you know, he, he again, we've always said we're three buffoons who sit here and talk about footy, but people obviously listen." People get something out of it, but I know when I listen, if the, the weeks where I listen to it when you guys have recorded on your own, I almost feel like text messaging because I want to give my 10 cents worth at that point in time. And I, I think there's a lot of people that are like that. So, um, but a couple of times I just sort of sit, you know, you just say, 
Um, gee, Walshie's given us a bit of run today and, you know, somebody will take a couple of good marks and you'll go, yeah, Brody Kemp might be an SI Morales uh, um, nomination the way he's going at the moment. And just the, just little things that come to mind as you're going along, you know, because he understands what you're talking about. If you went and talked to old Johnny McGee yeah. from the fucking uh, tram car or whatever it is. You know, yeah, Jerry yeah, McGee. Yeah, Jerry McGee. He's not going to know what you're talking about. But, Sounds um, like Jay's a bit of a – he's sort of like trying to – he's a bit of a silent partner with the – which reminds me of one of my favourite stories. You know, Ralph Schumacher, brother of Michael, of course. Yes. Had a, you know, successful enough Formula One career there and he was a decent driver for a time in the early, mid-2000s. He actually came a cropper in like 2005 or six. it would have been. So he was making decent money. He drove, I think he was with Toyota at the time, and he'd driven for BMW before that. Um, he wanted to be a silent partner. This is like quite a, a funny story. It's like an early 2000s funny F1 paddock story. He wanted to invest £700,000 in a chain of sex shops in <laughs> Slovenia. As you do. And this was his like surefire investment. I'm going to invest £700,000 in this chain of sex shops I am German, yeah, well, so I, I get the market. I think I know how this works. And he was all ready to do it, but for whatever reason it came out that this is what Ralph Schumacher's latest business venture is. It's not a soft drink. It's not a restaurant somewhere where he grew up. No, it's a chain of sex shops in Slovenia, of all places. Well, whatever floats your boat. And unfortunately, due to uh, peer pressure and the like, he had to back out of the deal. Wow, eh? So he he was he just wanted to be a silent partner in this, like Jay Hyatt, not in it for the press, not in it for the plaudits, not in it for the shout outs on pod. And here he is. He's in there every week. He's in there every week. <laughs> it's I watched something the other day. Is it true that Shaquille O'Neal was a very early investor in Google? I don't know. Because apparently he he overheard a conversation between a couple of guys in a restaurant. And said, hey, that sounds like a great idea. I want in. Now, I don't know. I mean, obviously, he had money to put into it, and I don't know how much he got. But something that would be interesting to be able to find out is exactly how much. I'm going to use Google you're going right to, now. Oh, there you go. Shaq's just made another cent. How? So. This just seems wrong off the bat. How Shaquille O'Neal increased his net worth, okay, as Google grew from a $100 million valuation to $1.89 trillion. That's a big jump. That's an enormous jump. Um, that's what 10,000 times, about, that's, isn't it? That's about what the hex index is. 20,000 times, yeah. Uh, these days. Um, Google, it's just millionaire Shaquille O'Neal chose to invest in Google but rejected Starbucks. Uh, Shaquille O'Neal was one of the original investors in Google and Vitamin Water but passed on Starbucks. So I'd love to know what percentage he would own. You know, like, if, it were, if it had a $100 million valuation and he puts a million in, he's, he's worth 1%. One percent at one point eight nine million is eighteen point nine billion dollars. <laughs> See, and this is the problem here, Tim. I've just googled this, and it's not a great endorsement for Google because one of these articles says that how Shaquille O'Neal earned four hundred million dollars by investing two hundred fifty thousand dollars in yeah, Google, okay. and then there's another that says he invested a million dollars in Google. So which one is it? So it's somewhere between the two. It's good money. It's good. Well, it's good money, and, I like and he stories, will have gotten a return. I like the stories of Shaq just buying kids like bikes and me too and shit. At, yeah. And why is Shaq walking around a Walmart? <laughs> at one point, they reckon he bought out the whole of Walmart. Well, there's the story that does the rounds on the social media, like um, uh, clips or your podcast clips, 
where he, he went to Phoenix, I think, and he got into Phoenix and they'd set him up with this nice apartment, but there was nothing in the apartment. Yep, yep. So he just went down to Walmart and spent like $80,000. Yeah, and on, then his credit card got but he needed like he, goes, he needed like 10 TVs or something. Yeah. He's like, no, you don't, though. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you needed those 10 TVs. Like, you need like a kettle and a toaster. <laughs> a toaster. And, and a, an iron. And, and an iron. Maybe, or maybe like, you know, maybe a coffee table, yep. potentially. He goes, but he goes, I needed, you know, 10 flat screen TVs. You're like... Again, Shaq, need. <laughs> Want, need. Was he doing yes. the old, like, you know, late 80s, early 90s thing? Was he putting them next to each other to form one big screen? Well, maybe. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe. Um, so I think the really pleasing thing for me was it actually wasn't a win on the back of two or three standouts. We no, didn't, that's we right. didn't have to Which rely. Which has been the Carlton way for a long time. Yeah, we didn't have to rely on two or three standout players to really get us over the line. Um, it was a really rounded, collective sort of team performance. You can look across pretty much every line on the field and have something positive to say about the performance of just about every player I agree. who ran out, which was excellent. And um, the next little heading I got here... I'm not sure how much attention um, you or our listeners have paid to the teachings of one of the great coaches of our time. I'm, of course, uh, referring to Gordon Bombay of the Mighty Ducks. Um, but a mainstay of his coaching philosophy was that ice hockey was fun. Yep. And the whole thing is that in these silly Disney films about team sports and ragtag groups of kids and older people coming together to, you know, that first one doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, they're down the bottom of the ladder. They haven't won a game in years. And then all of a sudden, one team gets the measles and they end up in the playoffs. I don't yes. understand how that works. A very forgiving playoff system. Talk about falling ass backwards. Into Jesus it. Christ. It was the Panthers, I believe, got the measles. Um, but his whole thing was, if you're having fun, you'll play well. If you're playing well, you'll be having fun. Bang on. And yep. more than simply fun, sometimes, Timbo, footy just actually needs to be easy Oh, well, we've always said good teams kick easy goals. And um, it was the one where um, Charlie Kerno gave the handball to Lockie Fogarty running into the open goal in the third quarter. I had a really weird, like, just based on where we kind of sit, it was a very strange crossover, like, perspective where it looked like, I'm not sure who the other player was, but it looked like he'd handballed it to nobody. Yeah. And it was like... What are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah. Well, we, I'm, because we're, you're Olympic stand, aren't you? Yeah, we sit sort of basically above the benches. Yeah. Okay. So you're even further around. Because I'm, I'm base six in, on the second level in the Carlton Social Club. That's, so, yeah, that's in so the uh, I am, southern stand? It's in the southern stand, but you're almost behind the point post. Yeah. The left hand point post as you look up the ground. So, that was one of my last acts as an employee of the Carlton Football. Oh, no, actually, no, that's not true. In the membership team, I, one of the, my boss there, I just said, can I just fucking take these two ripper seats? Dad and I, and they went, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. They're meant to be for like president's function or like big wigs. So the only way you're getting those seats, like they're not, they're not, technically they're not available. This is just, I'm putting myself down. Yeah. And the boss was like, yeah, it's fine, whatever. Yeah. Because at least you'll be in them every week. Yeah. But the comment I made to Jay was, um, when was the last time we walked in a goal? Mm. You know, and, and, and to be able to see that sort of footy, and, and he referred to it as the um, the Rude Van Nistelrooy tap-in. So, um, what an extraordinary lack of respect. Well, he's a United fan too. So He was so much more than I don't know, he was more than that. But, but, but obviously, you know, when you're a good team and you're the premier striker, you, you are going to get fed 
fantastic balls. You've got to be in the right spot. And, and you've got to be in the right spot. And sometimes it's going to be the simplest put away you can get. Sometimes you're still going to have to pull out something top shelf to be able to score. But, One of my, again, good team score is um excruciating nights watching any team I've got any interest in play sport was Liverpool did a number of some number uh, on us at Anfield maybe 10 or so years ago maybe oh maybe actually a little bit more I'm just trying to replace it but uh, Der- uh, Dirk Kout yep. scored a hat-trick and the aggregate distance would have been <laughs> two yards I, rem- I remember the game it would have been two yeah. yards I Not- remember the game because I follow the Premier League like- fantasy and it was sort of like gee that's the easiest points you're ever going to score uh, you g- would have genuinely scored two on the goal line yeah. and one from about three yards out yeah. it's going it was agony um and more to the point, what we were talking about throughout the, the most of this year, to be honest, we've made footy so laborious and so difficult and so you know energy sapping. Absolutely. For so little return. Yeah. Um, so at least the takeaway from the boys should hopefully be playing that style of football. Not you know you're not going to kick uh, nine goals in a quarter every single week, and we'll speak a little bit more about how. We, we aren't really able to do that for more than 20 minutes at a time. Yep. But the problem we've got is when you're not getting any reward for effort, you're not getting that lick of the ice cream, everything becomes so difficult. It's hard to go to the it's well so all the time. so hard to pluck up the energy and the enthusiasm to yep. go again and again and again and again thinking, fuck, we're probably going to kick eight goals this week. Yep. Jesus Christ. Yep. It's not going to be – eight goals isn't going to be enough to win a game of league footy. So to come out, to hit the scoreboard – so many players play well. We hit the bye feeling high on life and good about footy. What they do with that now is the most important question. The fact, the fact that you've done it once and the fact that we've proven to ourselves that we can do it once, it's how do you go about trying to do that again and having an opposition that will allow you to do it? And and, and I think I think we'd probably lull Gold Coast into a little bit of a, a, a you know false sense of security in that we're not much, so you won't have to do too much to get on top of us. Well, once we started coming, and they didn't clearly, they didn't think that we had that in us. Once it started, they they just didn't have the resolve to be able to um, keep us out. And you know, in closing on that, I suppose um, yesterday ended up being somewhat of a palate cleanser uh, in in the best possible way for pretty much everyone involved in the footy club because you get the win, which breaks a run of six in a row. You play some really um, entertaining, exciting, fast-paced, high-scoring footy, which is a departure from what we've been serving up to this point in time. Um, so everyone, players, coaches, fans, administrators, everyone gets to walk away from the game feeling pretty good about themselves, hopefully under no illusions about what it means in the scheme of things, but also hopefully with a smile on their face, a bit of a weight lifted off their shoulders, which is super, super duper important given the context of how things are going Oh, Timbo, it's a 90s banger. Oh, there we go. Oh. Give it to us, Ricky. (laughs) Oh, what a classic. France 98, Timbo. Wonderful. What a time. What a time in all of our lives. Oh, what a tune, Ricky. Deep de monde. Oh. What an extraordinary uh, situation that was with Ricky Lart. Was it last year where his nephew accused him of sexual assault or something? It was something very weird, wasn't it? And it was like, that's a hell of an accusation. It's a horrible ac- it's accusation. It's awful. Yeah. So I think that's come and gone for Ricky, which well, is thank positive. thank God. <laughs>
So why do we play that, Tim? Because the Blues are back, the Blues baby. Are back. Best we... World Cup, by the way, and the best World Cup song. What happened in the final that year? Well, that's part of – this is it. So Fab... Was this when when Ronaldo yes. theoretically had yes. the seizure in the rooms prior? Yes. And they said he must play. So Fab will say 06 was the best World Cup and because he's he got will. a vested interest because yeah. Italy won. No, the best World Cup of – the last great World Cup, truly great World Cup, was France. Germany was good. Germany was good. Germany was a good tournament. That, that was what came to mind South Africa was shithouse. Yes, it was, because you couldn't hear anything over ah. the fucking Vuvuzelas um, the whole time. Brazil was sort of ordinary. Yep. It was okay. Uh, Russia was all right. Yep. Russia was okay. Uh, the last one was it was all right. That wasn't, you know, it wasn't as, as disastrous as people maybe feared it would be. Yeah. And it was fine. Did have that looming specter of all the unpleasantness and you know, human rights atrocities looming of, over it, which of is course. bad. Yep. But France, like... There's just so much in that. There's just so much like Dennis Bergkamp's legendary. He's, you, Bergkamp, Bergkamp, you get the Bergkamp. goal. You got like England and Argentina in the round of 16, which went to penalties. Michael Owen scores the goal. Beckham gets sent off. Yep. Got um, was it Marcel Desailly scored the two goals? The France came no, from no 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 Lillian yep. Turam. Lillian Turam. But he scored the. I always get them confused. Which is Lillian Turam was one of my favourite no. footballers. I thought this man has everything. You're six four. You're an amazing athlete. You're highly paid, and you're gorgeous. And you got a French accent. He had a um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. He had like a Dolph Lundgren style flat top as well. He did. He, did. he was a very cool individual. I... Um, but he he scores the two goals. They come from behind to win the game. You got the. Uh, obviously the final and Zizou's phenomenal and scores twice and France win the World Cup. And you got the, the drama, as you alluded to, Tim, with Nike forcing Ronaldo to play who would... And has that ever been franked? Did he have a panic attack? Did he have a, a ba- like a back spasm? Did he yep. have, what was the, the issue? But apparently he was in absolutely no state to play. And they've said, out you go. And Nike were like, what the fuck are you talking about? He's playing. Wow. And they Brazil, who are obviously uh, Nike, are invested up to their eyeballs in Brazilian football. Yeah, uh, said, "Fuck, okay, okay, jab him the fuck up with whatever this is, yeah, and send him out." So many storylines, so much wonderful football. Just I don't know, like it still feels there's something about it that, like, even though it's a World Cup, and it was too the palate cleanser. We'll use that phrase again, but like USA '94 was shit. So you sort of went back to Europe, and it was like this is. This is right. Yeah. And it was – there's just something about it that still feels like relatively kind of like twee. Yes, it's a World Cup. But, you know, like Olympic Games, you know, they've reached a stage where they're these ridiculous global events. But uh, up until probably relatively recently, they were actually not that big. Yeah. Yeah. There's something – I don't know how to explain it properly. There no, was no, a, there was I know a, what you're saying. There was a sense of scale about it which still had it feel like – Oh, this is, you know, this is like people still talk about um, like Euro 96 in England yep. as being this, like, particularly for people of a certain era and a vintage who are English, yep. of like what an unbelievable, like, four, four weeks it was. The team itself was playing well and it was beautiful weather and all the great moments. And, and, where the, and, team and the fact that based. we remember the German, the Germany World Cup the way that we do as well. You know, it was because Australia it, it was, involved. It was in the, you know, the purple patch and, you know, it, it's all about your frame of reference and, and the lens. And Germany was a great yeah. World Cup, don't get me wrong. It was, yeah. But just, like, France for me was just that last, and it was probably the first one that I really, like, I'm really sort of 
crystal clear on yep. remembering. And I remember. Well, how old would you have been in 10. 98? Yeah, yeah. So I remember it being on SBS. Yeah. And I remember it like just every night they do the class, they do like the recap show and stuff yep. like that. But for me, the last truly great World Cup, and it had the great, the, the first sort of real proper, real kind of like semi decent video game as well. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing, depending on your age, that's, that's part of it. Um, so there we go. Blues are back, banger. Cup of life. Ricky Martin. There you go. Celebration of France 98. Uh, the next heading I've got here for a talking point is the way we should play. Yep. I didn't really say that correctly. It's the way we should play. Yeah. It's sort of like that joke about uh, I think Steve Coogan and uh, Rob Bryden would have been on the trip. Brilliant shows if no one's seen them. You would have all seen the bit where they're doing Michael Caine. They're sitting having lunch and they're I doing think Michael Caine. About this one before, yeah. But they've they've got a series of them. the trip the trip where they're in like the Cotswolds or whatever they're up in they're in England, and they've got the trip to Italy, the trip to Spain. I think there's one in Greece as well. And anyway, very very good, very easily watchable, good fun shows. But there's one where they're talking about how that intonation is so important. It's like say like how you know you're watching the news, and even if you're not watching the TV. If it comes up like, you know, uh, popular sports podcast host Tim Davis, and you'd be like, this sounds positive. Yeah. If it's popular sports podcast host Tim Davis was today, you're like, mm. oh, oh what's, he, he, like, what's he, he done? He's dead. <laughs> Go, oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> this is bad news. Um, so the way we should play, underline should, maybe italicize it for, mm. for emphasis. So I saw The Flash last week. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And interestingly, before I get into one of our famously loose analogies, the film only did like 50-something million dollars in its first weekend, which is bad. It sounds good. It's horrendous. <laughs> yeah. It's real bad. There's something about The Flash, though. Is it The, the Flash and Shazam as well, for some reason. They just don't have a lot of cachet? I think that's what it is. I think, I think you're just going up against a couple of, um, not genres, because it's the same genre, but it's the... You know, you're going up against a couple of the dead set Blu-ray band characters and trying to you're well, trying Timo, to compete with the big boys Timo, and you're just why, not quite but there. But this is why what Marvel did was when they were at the top of their game was so remarkable yeah. because of their own financial situation in the nineties and they'd sold off the rights to Spider Man went to Sony <clears throat> and Fox got like the X Men and Fantastic Four, I think. The Hulk went to Universal, which has just come back to Disney slash Marvel. They obviously got all the Fox stuff back when they bought Fox, yep. but they actually sold off all their so-called A-tier Stars, characters, yeah. and all they were left with was, if you actually looked at the roster and you were like, fuck, <laughs> like, what have we got? We've got Iron Man. Who the fuck knows what Iron Man is? This is it. We've got like Captain America, which is a hokey throwback, probably doesn't work in this day and age. Yep. You know, We've got the Hulk, kind of. We sort of have it. It's sort of part-owned. We've got Thor. And like, how the fuck did we do Thor? Yeah. And what they ended up mashing that together into and cobbling out of that is actually it's sheer genius. unbelievable. It's genius. That yeah. they turned all these characters that nobody wanted. Yeah. Because they could have bought, all these studios could have bought these characters. Mm. And they went, no, I don't fucking want those. They're the yeah. dredges. They're shit. And what they turned them into is extraordinary. But the point we make, so that I sat watching The Flash and as somebody who grew up and loves Michael Keaton's Batman and he's my Batman. And I sat there watching it just completely just cold yeah. to everything unfolding. And there was a reason for that because I was like, this is the best you could do. Yeah. I'm watching this film that costs $300 million. 
you're employing some of the best minds going around. You know, you've and that's got, all you there's got. no, you know, I've got a book here, which I actually haven't <laughs> opened, um, which I'm looking forward to one day, called Tech Noir, The Art of James Cameron. Was that the name of the, the nightclub. nightclub that the Terminator went into? It was. Wow. The fact that I even know that is. Well, you've I've, just I've spoiled just... tonight's millionaire question. Is that right? No, yeah. Oh, damn it. Um, <laughs> But though, so Tech Noir is this, this art book, and you can see, Tim, I've got some art of Star Wars books as well. I've actually looked at your. There's my Ralph the Macquarie book. So Ralph Macquarie is the. Uh, Spoke with him on a uh, tram one did day. Did you? <laughs> was quite extraordinary. Good bloke, not a listener. He's uh, no, well, no, he's dead. Um, <laughs> so these are these people. What I mean is, they've got the best of the best in terms of conceptual artists and people to bring these ideas to life. And how do we want to do it? And it's like, and this is what you've come up with. Yeah. You've what was three, left on the cutting room like floor? You spent three hundred million dollars. Yeah. You've got decades worth of iconography, either in comic books or on the screen, and this is what you've come up with. Yeah, like I'm sitting there watching this Michael Keaton thing, and I'm watching the Flash ape Back to the Future because, of course, it does. And there's no shame in that because Back to the Future is a brilliant movie. But I'm watching this. I'm sort of going. You mentioned something earlier that. Part of the reason these comic books have reached a bit of a nadir is because they all look and feel the same. Yep. So I was actually just by chance early today uh, got home and on um, Foxtel was the, the Batman film from early last year with you know Robert Pattinson as Batman and Matt Reeves directed it. He's a bit of an auteur, sort of like a proper filmmaker. You know, Michael Giacchino does the score. He's a great composer. Um, Greg Frazier, who's Australian, he's actually from Melbourne, is the director of photography. And it's like... Yeah, this film fucking looks like interesting. I don't know, have you seen it? No, I haven't. But I you haven't. watch it and you're like, it's sort of challenging because it's there's bits of it where you're like, this is just any city, USA, what is it? But then there are elements of it where you're like, there's a shot very early in the film which is sort of meant to be like Gotham's version of Times Square, if you will. And it's meant to evoke that in you, but at the same time, it's not Times Square. And it gives you this this moment of pause where you're sort of like, where are we? Oh, this isn't real. This is sort of a strange place. This is a bit unnerving. It's I I I recognise the framework of what this is, but it's not that. And then there are elements of it where it's very gothic, and they shot it, shot it in Liverpool, and there are parts that look a bit like Chicago and the other side. But just the way it's shot and realised, you sit there and you kind of like, yeah, this is sort of it's a bit unsettling and it's yeah. a bit sort of dark and dank and ugh, you know. Whereas you watch everything else these days, and you're like, that just looks that just looks like a street in Surrey Hills, yep. or that just looks like any city anywhere in the world. What is this? So the whole point I'm trying to make here is that you sit there watching The Flash, and you're thinking, I'm so cold to this because it's not giving me anything fun or new. It's not using the parts, you know, uh, in a exciting manner. It's just existing, just going through the motions, trying to trade on. Oh, there's Batman, and you remember him? Oh, there's the Batcave. Remember you remember Charlie that? Kuna, he was yeah, good. this is it. <laughs> you remember that jumper and the way it used to make you feel mm. when the team used to be good? Yep. And I've sat there and I've watched us for the first 12 weeks of this year, just so cold largely to what's been happening because the assembly of everything that we've got has been used without imagination, without flair, without um, any sort of energy or verve or, like, you know, use the film stuff. Something that makes you go, oh, wow. Yeah. Look at that. I didn't expect that. Well, I wrote down the moment. Mm. Now, I reckon some people will say the moment where we really got the roll on was when Doherty got his 50-metre penalty, pumped it forward, 
ran past, got it, and then kept it going. And and if you did say that, I wouldn't say that you were wrong. You got to say Newman up to yeah. Acres. Yeah, and 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 it was I was. When I watch footy, you watch where the ball is, but you watch where it's going to go as well. And you and I, for so fucking long, I, I was critical early in the game where, and it would have been first quarter, and we've gone C shape from the Great Southern Stand wing, got all the way around the other side, and in trying to get the ball up, it's come off hands and gone out of bounds. And and I actually said, we literally cannot go any wider than this at all. And you're going at what point? Is anybody going to run? If we run could, we would go wider. To go, well, that's, this is the thing. Again. Yeah. It, and it was like, who's going to give us the corridor? Who's going to run to the corridor? Who's going to be a target? Who's going to give us something just a little bit different? And I was in the perfect position where we were, as we said, pretty much behind the point post. Mm. As Newman was running it out, there was three, two or three pairs that were pushing towards the boundary. And you thought, the Carlton way is to go as wide as fucking possible. And... Just as Newman was preparing to kick it, Akers ran back inside. He, he, he took, I reckon it took a step, and it might have been off the second step. Nick Newman's seen it, and he's hooked it back inside, and you've gone, that's a really risky kick. And, and, but I was delighted that we were at least trying it. And then, obviously, the way that it plays out, um, Akers gets it. He gives it to Chincotta, who runs past. He gives the longer forward-ish handball to Brody Kemp, who then pumps it inside to Charlie, and then Charlie and takes Kennedy it on the dive. Was, di- the, was there, there one in between? Maybe. Well, it went diagonally, to, and Harry took the mark and ultimately But you know what else Harry goal. did? He took the mark about 35 out. Yep. Not quite right in front, but better than a 45-degree angle. And I, was, I sat there, I watched that, you know, I used that silly flash thing, and you're watching this thing, you're thinking, this is more moments that look like us, Michael. Absolutely. This is... How much better was it to watch a Carlton team put a bit of speed on the ball, play the yeah. shortest route to goal? Like, back on the flash, mate. Seriously, I was sitting there. You know, like, you know why that Michael Keaton one endures? Tell me. Danny Elfman's score. Yep. Anton first production design, that backlot set of Gotham yep. City. Yep. And it's like... It was very cartoony, but, but it, it was dark. It was a bit and... campy and a bit silly yeah, and a bit unnerving yeah, and a bit yeah. unsettling. But you sort of, I thought to myself, surely you're going to do a scene where the Flash lands in Gotham City and it's that Gotham City. Yeah. And it's the classic Back to the Future, Mr. Sandman, when he walks into town and it's, yeah. this isn't right. Yeah. And it's, you're walking through and it's like, that's what people want to see. Yeah. People want to see you walking through the street and there's the Monarch Theatre and there's, you know, the, the Flugenheim, the museum. And it's sort of this sense of, not everyone in the audience might get it. But some will say, oh, we've been here before. But you have the classic Danny Alfred. That's just really like, this isn't right. Yep. And it's, you know, Back to the Future too. You know when he goes back to 1985, but it's the wrong timeline? Yep. And he breaks into the house and it's not his house? Yep. And it's sort of like this, you, you needed to do, have that moment of, we're not in Kansas anymore. Yep, yep. This is, hold on a minute. And I said, watching us play straight line to goal, speed on the ball, being a bit risky, and you just thought, Giving our forwards a chance in yep. near enough to one on ones. The ball hits the ground, it's gone in fast, people are out of position, That's it. And all you, of this stuff. I think I put the thing on Twitter about that chain through the middle, which results in Harry's goal. And the key moment is Chincotta takes off yep. and immediately commits the next guy. Yeah. And, and, then and that, and that, that one act. And, but it, it was it was Akers who did it because it was Akers' first move, but everybody reacted. But so Chincotta takes off, and yep. as soon as he takes off and he's rewarded, yes. and he's given the ball. Yep. The sun's collapse. Actually, and you know what it is too? Chincotta gives the handball to Kemp mm. and there's a little bit of risk on it and 
the big fella's not here, but Pitto lays a shepherd mm. that lets camp out. And it was just, it was little things like that where you've gone. Sort of fly by the seat of your pants. Yeah, but, but we'll fashion time, something, but I'll do my bit. The key is yeah. the whole, the, the, everything the ahead of the play, of contribution. everything ahead of the play, as soon as that moment happens. Is chaos. Is chaos. And yeah. it, the sun's Gold collapse. Coast are not in control. Yep. And everything they're doing is reacting. Yes. And everything they're doing yep. is, oh, I've got to get to the next guy. Yep. That means my guy's on his own. I've yep. got to get to the, oh, shit. And then the guy behind him's going, geez, do I have to go? Yep. What's my guy doing? Yep. And that, that bit of delay, that bit of panic, that bit of chaos, and then the hit, now the, the kick hits Harry on the lead. Harry's able to finish his work. Yep. But you just went, A, better ball movement, it was harder to defend, it was more direct. The kick was to a leading forward, and the leading forward kicked from a very gettable range yep. and a very gettable angle, and he kicks a goal. And you've long said, um, when you look at our list build and where we're spending our money and all that sort of stuff, we're never going to be a team, or maybe one day we will be, but no team ever has the 22 players on the ground are better than their direct opposition. No. It doesn't work that way. But we've got about six blokes that are genuinely elite, and if you can get the opposition off, off, yeah, and and you make them panic, and you yeah. left and you left one on ones with the absolute stars, the cream will rise. To there the isn't a defender, there is not a key defender in the competition that wants to be one on one with Charlie or Harry. No. And and in fairness, Charlie Ballard is one of the form defenders of the competition, and I really probably broke even He's with right. Charlie. Because a couple of times we just didn't kick it well enough to Charlie Kerno mm. and Ballard was good enough to be able to, you know, get inside him and, and, and playing really confident footy and reading it well. But the couple of times when it just came in too fast, it's like, mate, you're the all Australian centre half back and you got nothing. Mm. You've dead set got nothing right now. Or full back or whatever he is. So So look, ultimately does it work every single week? No. No. Does it win us the flag? No, no, not this year. No, 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 it doesn't. Go, no, it but, doesn't. But it is so much better to watch. It is so much more us, and hopefully that's a bit of an eye opener. You maintain the thread of and width. they've enjoyed it. That's, they've enjoyed that's it, the best and the fans thing. have enjoyed it. Yeah. Go, but you maintain the thread of width, and then you use that to exploit the shortest route to goal when yep. you can. And then, as happens when Kennedy gets the ball at centre half forward, yep. you've actually got a hundred and eighty degrees Correct. of option ahead of you. Where if we're going crabbing down the wing, you you don't. You're kicking it long down the line to the pocket yep. or you're squaring it up. Yep. You, you can't really do anything else. But if you've got the ball at true centre-half forward, you can kick it to anywhere in the forward 50. 100%. Your forwards have more options. You can separate and spread so much, so much better. And we mentioned just there the crowd and a really, really important factor today, uh, yesterday, sorry. The benefit of the run on Timbo was that, you know, Ultimately, we kicked more goals in 24-odd minutes than we had in each of the past five weeks, which was just Lutus. extraordinary. Yep. Um, but what does that do for the crowd? Oh, well, it's, again, it's the oh. nourishment that we haven't had. And, you know, it was just finally we get to cheer and we get to see. Like, we've got – we've always talked about, what is it, the 77,000 members this 90. year. And 88, wasn't it? I knew it was a double figure. And – and there are a lot of people that have signed up because they figured that that sort of football was what they were going to see. And, you know, plenty of my friends had said, I'm not going. I'm not, I'm not doing it. You know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going again until they show me something that I want to see. Well, there was plenty You've of people that have stuck Yeah, you got to give – and this is why I love – and we, we caught a controversy, Timbo, with the, uh, the tweet about the fans, the two fans who had gave the you know, verbal to players last week. Yep. 
as part of this social contract between a football club and its fans, you actually there are always going to be the diehards who go along every single week, like you and I, and you yep. know, Dad, we go every week, and there's lots of our listeners who go every week. But part of that contract, it's a bit reciprocal. You have to give us a reason yep. to keep coming back. It's it's the intangibility, and for some of people, football. it's but for some people, it's the feeling of. Um, I think we've spoken about it in the past, but the perfect catch, you know, with Jimmy Fallon and uh, Drew Barrymore. Yep. Not a bad little rom-com. Yep. But there's that moment where he's been to every Boston Red Sox home game, for however, or he's seen however many home games in a row, and his whole life is built around so I can go to the games. And he ends up going with Drew Barrymore's character to some birthday party, I think, and he misses a game against the Yankees, and he's, he's doing okay. He's feeling all right about it. And then... You know, it's a bit. It's a big step for him because you know this one thing that I love. I'm gonna. I'm gonna give it up for this other thing that I might love. I'm feeling okay about it. I'll get home later, and I'll, I don't want to know the score, and I'll watch the replay later. And anyway, it's all going well until his mate, who he gave his ticket to, rings him and says, "We were nine runs down. We've won the game. We rallied in the ninth and won the game." <laughs> and he has this moment of the fuck have I done? I've just missed one of the great moments. I've been to every. I've seen every piece of shit this club has served up for thirty years. And I've just missed one of the great moments. And for some fans, that's what it's like. Yeah. I've, I've sat through last week's debacle. I watched just meekly surrender against Collingwood. And if I didn't go yesterday and I missed us kick nine goals in a quarter, you go, fuck. I'm gutted. You are. And there's this sense of you got it. But at the same time, going back to what I was saying, there is a social contract in that you have to give the fans something yep. to want to consume and be a part of. And feel like nourishment, but feel like, what am I getting out of this? Because at the moment, all you're giving me is fucking torment. And the reality is, you don't get anything out of it. No. That is... is... Sometimes you just get the sweet relief of a win. Yeah. You thank God we've won. And and, and that's the thing. You pay your money, what do you get? And the answer is, you get absolutely nothing. If you win the premiership by 150 points, you get nothing. You get a sense of enjoyment. No, but that's intangible. You don't physically... You, you don't get anything that you can touch, taste, smell, whatever. But you do get something that is intangible and you get faith. the feeling. Yeah, exactly right. And, and I, again, we talk about a sense of belonging, a sense of purpose, a connection, all those sorts of things. That's what football clubs exist for. And it's what we buy into. That's what we rock up to see. And as you say, eight of nine weeks in a row, um, it's been pretty fucking disappointing. And finally... And and it's disappointing when you know what they're capable of doing and yeah. they're not doing it. The fact that we finally got it and we got to enjoy it and it was like, wow, we is this happening? And Harry Harry should have kicked the tenth goal in the second quarter. He, it, it was an absolute gimme for a guy of his mm. ability. The snap? No, no, no that it was, was a drop third. kick, but it was coming in from the yeah, side. Yeah, and yeah, it, yeah. Look, it, it 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 would have been a good footballer's goal, but it was very kickable for Harry. It would have been. I just want. I what I said to Jay is I said. I know this. We're getting miles ahead we of ourselves. Got, we should have got Jay in for the record. Well, based we, on how often you're referring back to something that's said to you. Correct. But it was. I wanted the tenth, and then I wanted enough time to get an eleventh and a twelfth, and say we've gotten two games outputs in one quarter. You just hope the takeaway is that's not that's not going to happen every week. No, clearly not. But you hope the takeaway is this: more moments that look like us, this stodgy, turgid ball that like we saw in the first quarter. No one wants it. Bin it. Yeah. Bin it. Yeah. No one wants it. Is it good enough to win us a premiership? Going no, but you know what? It might be Vossi. It's a brick in the wall. It might be good enough to save your job. Well, there's that too. Going, we've spoken about it at length. The person best placed to save Michael Voss's job 
is Michael Voss. Correct. You have to change. You have to be prepared to embrace change. Yep. You have to be prepared to admit, I think we've got the first part of this year wrong. Yep. And it hasn't served us. It hasn't been saleable as well, which is important. Yep. We have to give the club something that they can sell between October and March. Yeah, and definitely. if it's what we've been doing, geez, that's that's hard. Well, absolutely. It's impossible. So what happens when the crowd is entertained? The crowd gives you energy. It gives you excitement. The crowd wants to pay that forward. Yep. The crowd wants to be up and about and be given something to then return to the playing group to have them go, fuck, this is good, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. This is good. I want to get the next one. Yep. And then it becomes, I want to get the next one. I want to get the next one. So hopefully, hopefully, we don't play for a couple of weeks. We play Hawthorne. We're playing some decent footy. Yep. They actually play the Suns this week, which will be interesting to see what they do and how they measure up um, and what, how they approach the game. Well, also, we'll have done our homework on Gold Coast to say what do we expect we're going to see because hmm. I'm pretty sure what we saw wasn't them. But equally, Hawthorne will go to work on what we did to them. So we kind of get – Well, their midfield's actually been not bad. Well, that's right. So what will be interesting will be we'll go in with a, this was our homework on what we expected. They're going to go in on, well, this is what they gave this week. There'll be some sort of a a meeting of the minds in the middle and we'll be able to just get to see how it plays out, how Hawthorne have gone about it, what their strengths have been, and we'll know what to come up against too. Absolutely. Now, we have to give due in terms of playing our way and, you know, the way we should play. Um, Mids on the move was my next heading. Yep. So I'm not sure if you'd seen it. I've been sent it and I'd already seen Mark Murphy's comments about what had gone wrong for us. He was talking on an ABC footy podcast, I think, by the looks of it. Um, And he basically, not wrong in his assessment, he'd said that it looked like we'd really placed our eggs in or hitched our wagon to this clearance game. Contest. And that's totally reasonable. That's, yeah, absolutely. That's what we've done. And then now that game sort of isn't in vogue and that we lack pace is exposing us. And you go, yeah, that's... That's, that is true. But everyone looks slow when they don't have the footy. 100%. We've, we've always said it. But what we saw is that at its best, it works. Yeah. At its it best, it absolutely works. And we saw it work. This idea of And people- we've always said at 666, when we do get it on our terms, we still look like we can compete with everybody. It's what else happens in between that that we've got to be working on. So, you know, what suits us, ultimately, you sort of think about those criticisms. You go, they're entirely valid. You go, but what suits us is what suits us. And until we can engineer a substantial shift in personnel, whether it be more pace or, you know, whatever the case, that's probably the most pressing need, to be honest, um, we just need to lean into what we do well yep. and how this list is constructed now, not how it's constructed in 18 months, two years, three years' time. Yep. And that's a stoppage contested clearance-based game. And our work at clearance, particularly at centre clearance, um, Yesterday was as good as it's been in a very, very, very long time. And we were running out of contests well, too, which we haven't seen a lot of. Thank you, Scatman John. Um, we were, you know, plus 13 in total clearance, plus 12 centre clearance. Plus 12 centre clearance... Is massive. ...is ridiculous. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Because you don't have that many centre bounces. It's just crazy yeah. to be plus 12. But on the midfield discussion, Timbo, more importantly, again... How incredibly good, pleasing was it to see our midfield kick goals? Oh, well. Cripps kicked three, Chera kicked two, Cottrell kicked two, Kennedy kicked one. Walsh should have had probably fucking two. Fucking four. There was, he was um, spraying them left, right and centre. But how much more dangerous does that yeah. make you look 
when your midfield is actually able to or in positions to contribute goals. You're going to hate that I keep on going You're going here. You're going to go back to Jay. No, I'm going to go back to Jay. When they interviewed Sam Walsh at the end of the game, they had a little kid that was asking the question. <laughs> and they said, what question do you want to ask Sam? And I said to Jay, I said, why do you keep on spraying the ball and why don't you kick him through the big sticks? So... Yeah, we, we, we was, and that was just a funny look at it. And I, look, I really, I really enjoyed Walsh's game. Um, he really chimed in and was, and he was running with with genuine damage, and he was breaking the game open. And and again, a bloke coming off a back injury is going to have battled to have done the work to be able to do what he needs to do. And and the whole way through, and and I think we long thought it. You know, as soon as we heard that, you know that. Um, update at the end of the year last year, you kind of thought 2023 isn't going to be much from Walshy because he's just not. He won't be ready. He no. won't be capable. He won't have done the work. Um, and we can't Can we have the, the podcast, expectation. Is that Ryan Pappenhausen? I think we did. Pappenhausen, yeah. It's return to play, return to perform. It's bang on. It's it's a great line. And so, but still, but yesterday, yes, yesterday was the first time I actually felt like we'd seen the real Sam Walsh. So last week, I thought. Reviews of his performance last week, I thought, were somewhat missing the point in that, oh, he had 35, but someone said today, oh, he had 35, but he was the 35th best-ranked player on the ground. You thought, well, his run and his dare with the ball means nothing yeah. if there's nothing to do after that. Too, yeah. Him sprinting and trying to break lines and trying to put speed on the ball and move us forward, it actually it amounts to nothing if there's nothing to move the ball forward to. Two. Yep. That's why it doesn't look damaging because yep. if he breaks away or tries to break away and I've got to hold up, well, now you don't remember that because no. we didn't get the ball inside 50. We didn't kick the goal. But yesterday, yep. you're sort of going, oh, fucking Walsh, he was involved in that and he linked out of congestion or he gave the kickoff or he, whatever the case may be. That's why it didn't look effective because he actually wasn't allowed to be as effective as he was yesterday. Yeah. Um, which can sometimes happen. Uh, the last note I've got here on the way we want to play, I suppose, or should play, is that I'm actually sympathetic to those that missed out. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because we've had to sit through some pretty ordinary stuff and the players have had to sit, you know, have had to work their way through some pretty ordinary performances. And in the end, it was actually a really, really good opportunity for a player down on touch, on form, on confidence to get that lick of the ice cream, to get that nourishment. Like someone like Zach Fisher... Oh yeah, yeah. You think you, you sit there, you think to yourself, "Geez, if Fish was out there today, he, he might kick a couple goals, or yep. gets to feel good about himself, and gets gets that little you know pep in his step." That okay, all right, here we go. Okay, that's, yep. that's better. That's I like that a bit more. Absolutely. You know, and there are other players in that boat as well. But for me, Fish was the one where you just thought, "Yeah, like you would have played well." Yeah, Jesse Motlop would have played well. Would have played these well. Sorts of guys. Lockie Fogarty got a chance. He was okay. Pure footballer, did his job, worked really hard. He's been denied opportunity as well. Did a good job. He was fine. He was good. He was okay. Do you want to go with that? He was okay. You want to really go with that? Oh, Timbo, it's another 90s banger. This is a good one. Oh, hang on. Different song. Yes. What did you think it was? I thought it was Ugly Kid Joe. <laughs> <laughs> the first couple of notes. Oh, what a tune. This should have been right. You would have been. This should, you would have been. If you, uh, did you have a Walkman? Uh, never an official Walkman, no. What'd you have? Knockoff, whatever it was. I don't know. Can't even remember it. Like a Toshiba. Something like that, yes. This should have been in there. Oh, uh, yeah. It would Recorded have been off the radio. Yeah. yeah, correct. Yeah, I like that. Recorded off the radio. You're just going to be ready for your song to play. Correct. 
I've got a question for you. Why do we play that, Tim? Because the Blues are back, baby. The Blues are back. That is, an, that is a certifiable, quintessential banger. 90s banger. Yeah, they, they, they um, don't get better than them. Has any band ever owed as much to a producer as Metallica owe Bob Rock? They Because what he rang <laughs> out of them, because they've never sounded that good ever again. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. And and they'd always tried to do their own thing in their Stop. own way. Stop. Do what Bob Rock wants you to do. Yeah, because that they they not switched genres, but they became mainstream and and phenomenally successful because of it. Mm. They were which always success- they were always going to be successful uh, in their is, own way, like, but it was totally like fine. Like no one's begrudging them yeah. for being successful. But, but if you're really good at what you do and you play this sort of music this way you're going to get a whole lot more fans and be even more successful and make a shitload of money. Was it that um, – I've only ever seen it once. I, do, I remember enjoying it, but the, some kind of some kind of monster. Was that the doco? Something like that, yeah. And uh, I, I think it was from that. I'm pretty sure. There might have been something else. But they were doing some album and it was very sketchy and sort of underproduced. And they, I think they said they wanted it to be a bit more rough and raw, but it was like, no, you're just lazy. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's not – Let's not lie here. You just you just don't have the time or the energy to want to make it really polished, and yep. you're just lazy. Um, but they played. I think it might have been Lars's dad or something, and they played him the record. And he just goes, "Oh, what do you think?" And he goes, "Like you should start again." Oh, he, and he shit. just like he took it well. He sort of just laughed. He was like, "Well, I don't think it's very good." Yeah. And he was like, "Oh, Jesus, that's not great." Yes, thanks for the feedback, but yeah. I don't know. <laughs> we'll work out what to do with this. I don't this. know if that's what we wanted to hear. It's just what, just like save nothing? It's like, yeah, start again. Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> uh, and then the last one I got here for our mainline topic discussion, Timbo, is the way we shouldn't play. <laughs> yes. The start oh. was incredibly frustrating and a little bit too often, even after halftime, I thought we reverted to a safe, very conservative pattern of play. The guys on the bench produced that power button on the sign, which is, I assume, does that mean tempo? Yeah, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't spot that one. Whatever our whatever our um, our term for tempo or you know slow the game down type stuff, but like the, they started to wheel that sign out a little bit too much. Yep. And you're sort of thinking, no, 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 no. Fuck it. Go win for by, this. Win by hundred. Yeah, go for this. Come yeah. on. Yeah. Um, or or let them kick a couple before going to that. You've got ten goals. Yeah, and and even then there was there was a little bruised part of me that thought even after we'd had twelve straight and we'd conceded a couple of soft goals and you know Jack Lacocious being the the ability to be able to execute a goal the way that he can you know he's got some extreme talent. Frustratingly <coughs> talented player. Well, which you need when you make the. Um, the Carlton, uh, he did, didn't he? Team of the whatever it was. He hadn't, he hadn't even been drafted by the club, and Tim slotted him in. <laughs> I don't know. I thought I was. Uh, I don't reckon I did that. I reckon I was. Um, I reckon I was the judge that week. Yeah, but then you did your own team. Because remember, Fab and I did the the Wolf Greys and the Sky Blues, and then you did a Livestrong Orange team of the Livestrong Yellow team. And you reckon the, Jack Lacocious made that team of the leftovers? You might be right too. You might I could be, be completely right. wrong, no. but but I just there was that moment of we couldn't concede this win could we hear you know could just and it, and it was a throwback to you know the Port Adelaide and Hawthorne games of last year where we hit a big lead too early and I thought we cannot be doing this again so um, again uh, the opposition are going to try and score goals we always talk mm. about this and it will sometimes come off even through our want for it to not um, but we we obviously you know 
maintained the focus and did what we needed to do. But there's, it, it was still far from the perfect game. Was I you, you a little right. bit alone in taking some, um, you know, Schadenfreude? Shout out to our friend Ralph Schumacher and his line of Slovenian <laughs> sex shops, <laughs> which didn't get off the ground, sadly. He should have lent into it and he should have just said, like, it should have just been like Ralph Schumacher's sex shop. Oh, it would have. He, he could should have, have had just, so much fun with it. And, he and should have just doubled down. Absolutely. And gone, you know what? Fuck it. I wanted to be a silent partner. I'm actually going to branch <laughs> off and, and create my own chain. Um, but I had a bit of Schadenfreude in. Remember Stewie Jew? It wasn't an on the record thing, but the suggestion was he wasn't interested in coaching Carlton. I don't remember that, but. He was at Sydney and there was a bit of a whisper oh, okay, and it yeah. was sort of. He wasn't interested in. No, 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 no. And yet he was happy to go to Melbourne, I don't want but to wasn't them. allowed to go there because he was. It wasn't a promotion. He was contracted at Sydney, mm. and that's who they'd identified yeah, see, to I, be the. This would have been after Teague, I think. What have you actually been before Teague? No, no, it must have been before because he was going to get the job that Goodwin got, but mm. he was it, it. It he was under contract, and they let you go for. A promotion, like so, they they would let you out of your contract to be the head coach of a team. But if you're only going to, from being assistant coach in one place to assistant coach elsewhere, that's not sufficient to break a contract. Mm, true. Um, so I mean, as I said, I did get a little bit of enjoyment watching us destroy a, co- a team coached by him. Yep, fair enough. Is, look, it's very spiteful, but um, I think we've all got a bit of Whatever spite. Whatever works for you. I think we've all got a bit of spite in us um, at times. In the right moments. In the right moments, I think it can actually be helpful to remember this stuff and use it to fuel you. Well, um, interestingly, and I don't know if you were going to bring it up, you know, Levi went back and kicked a set shot and you've gone, where the fuck was that when you were playing for us? And then the, You know what I love too, mate? This Levi conversation, someone on Twitter, you know, Carl, they're listing Levi, you know, why, blah, why do they do that for? Because he was 31 years old. And his knee was shot. Yeah, but no, he's 31 years old and his knee was shot. Go, and we've got Pitnet to Conning, Mackay, Kerno. Yeah. We, and who's right. he playing ahead of? And 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 I think the and sometimes you go the move was actually great for him. Well, and this is he it. would have been playing VFL football for us. Well, he had a set shot in the first quarter, a second set shot, more difficult, and, and it was more difficult. And and uh, and people around us were saying, "Geez, I I hope he doesn't put this one through." I said, "He'll put this one out in the full because he kicked one. He tried, and and he did it. It only snuck in for a point, but credit where it's due that." Goal of the year contender, complete right? Fluke. It was, it was complete fluke. But remember how he kicked a couple of those long bombs against Essendon. against Essendon that were just like I've pulled it out of his ass. Phenomenal the, goal. The spiteful, spiteful nature in me. Um, Gary Ablett kicked it. Might have been goal of the year. I'm not sure. He was playing for Gold Coast. I'm pretty sure he was playing for Gold Coast. He was down at Geelong. And it was a really shocking wet night. Yeah. And he yeah. kind of swung his boot at one, and it's floated through. And again. This might draw the ire of some. Sometimes I see those goals and you go, it's a great goal. It's a complete fluke. Yeah. Going And therefore I actually mark it down. It's and, a complete fluke. You, if you were studied <laughs> and if you gave Levi a dead ball yeah. right there and said, you can dribble it through, you can check side it, you can have a drop punt, I'll give you 10. You won't put one in. I don't think you'll kick any of them. You go, and he kicked the only one that mattered and that's all that matters. But, but Gary Ablett Jr. would kick a few of them. But you sort of go, oh, it's goal of the year. You're going to go, it's a complete fucking fluke. Yeah. Going, you know, like, let's just relax. It was a wonderful year. No, it's a nice goal. And I've said this before. The one goal of the year that I hated with more passion than I have ever hated a goal of the year, and it's not because it was against Carlton, but Matthew Lloyd kicked the back heel. It should have been a throw, Tim. Well, possibly. But as I said to everyone, my mother could have kicked that goal. 
like legitimately for where that you were standing and the fact that all you had to do was get the ball behind you, there it's actually an unguarded goal. Four. So you, you've kicked it a foot, possibly less. It's a bit of ingenuity, but it was dirt in, cloud absolutely. About it. Yeah, you, you you give him credit. You know, you've been been able to find the goal when some others wouldn't. But it's not that fucking skillful, so please put it away because there's not many other times. Love my mother, Margaret's a wonderful lady, but there's not a lot of times where I could say, "I reckon Mum could have kicked that one." Although for would those that, that do know she, no, she, who do know my mother, she does she does have a bit of a penchant for a high kick on occasions, usually when she's drinking. Would she have had the wherewithal? <laughs> no, back to goal no. to back heel it. Um, so you, I reckon my favourite goal, I assume, at one goal of the year, just because it's jaw dropping and it's. Everything you want, Daniel Wells. Daniel Wells. It's the the Jackie Chan phenomenal. You just went in that circumstance to win the game. Yeah, just the level of just I'm gonna brazen. I'm gonna I'm gonna leap into the air. I'm gonna grab this out of the ruck, which he couldn't do nowadays. No, that's free kick, unless he nominated. Um, and I'm gonna just I'm just gonna karate kick this in midair <laughs> and win the game. Well, and Jack Martin yesterday, where the front and centre. At pace, has he, he's gotten his hands to the ball, phenomenal, but was doing it so quick that he actually fumbled it, but fumbled it up in the air, has jumped in the air, and in one motion has caught it and handballed it. It was like... She gave him just that extra bit of time he needed. Yeah, it um, was it was remarkable going, jeez, you've got talent up the wazoo, mate. You Can you stay on the ground and do a little bit more of that, please? You kidding? There we go. I am Queens Boulevard. <laughs> See, I knew I, I was. I knew I didn't take it off the mixer. I just thought I'd give it an extra couple of weeks. We'll get onto him a bit later. But in terms of the way we shouldn't play, that early ball movement was so consistent and symptomatic of a team low on confidence Correct. and belief, and what we'd seen for so much of this season. And it just felt like we really have just picked up exactly where we left off last weekend. It was hard to watch. And I, I, I was, I sit, I sitting with Dad, and we're watching the game, and I just turned to him at one point. Jay Hyatt was there, and I said to him, <laughs> who the fuck are you? <laughs> but I said, what does this ask of our opponent? Yeah. And who does it actually put under pressure but us? Michael Voss. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't demand our opponents. We talk, spoke about the Chincotta decision where that demands a Gold Coast um, midfielder make a decision. Yep. Playing that way doesn't demand our opponent make a decision. All I have to do is caravan, trail you in, and oh, you're a bit close there. I won't kick yep. it to him, yep. though. Yep. Too risky there. Turn around. He's following him in. I'll go up and, the line. And, and if it's not happening, we get 15 metres. Yep. And then it starts again. Yep. And it's sort of – it just gives them all the time in the world to set up behind the ball. It doesn't ask anything of them. It doesn't ask them to be particularly good. It doesn't even ask them to be more than just, like, diligent. Yep. And at AFL level, in the first quarter – It's not going to win you guys. It's not going to do anything. Yep. It's not going to move the ball. It's not going to move the chains, as they say. It's Love not going to create space, et cetera, et cetera. So skipping ahead a touch, the concern for me watching that was Hawthorne are going to really test us with run and carry and yep. drive their legs and burst from midfield. They are going to go quick. They are going to play fast. Yep. Going, we need to be so ready for that. And more than that, we need to fight fire with fire. We've got to counter it massively. Absolutely. Because someone is crapping on about Hawthorne again. You could look there, they've got a nice little midfield growing and this as I said recently, you know, my stuff at Box Hill, you sort of go, this this crop of recent draftees looks pretty good. Quite good. You know, and as good as it's looked at in my time there really. And you sort of go, this that's encouraging for them and particularly in the midfield they've got some guys that look like they could be good players. Um, you know, Connor McDonald's coming and playing really good football at halfback. They've got like a Seamus Mitchell who's giving them some good drive out of defence. Um, you know, Jai Newcomb's big body and playing positively and confidently. 
they don't have a lot of key stocks. No. Mitch Lewis is playing really well. He's just come back from injury. You know, Jacob can run a little bit hot and cold. Um, you know, and defensively, they've got a lot of workman types. You know, Sam Frost, James Blank. Um, forgetting one. I'm forgetting one. If I remember him, I'll come back to him. But a lot of workman-like types who are, who are just going to give a good account of themselves and be physical and, you know, bring effort. Well, we've got to get the ball in and trouble them. Yep. Yep. And, and get to stuck do that, in it back and behind them. And to do that, we've got to get it in quickly. Yep. Like, it's just – and if Sicily's not there, that's obviously a, a benefit to us. Well, yeah, I didn't even think about that. Um, yeah. These hearings will – by the time people listen to this, they'll probably know the outcome of that. But possession footy Timbo does not test – it didn't test the Gold Coast? Nope. Didn't test Essendon? It won't test Hawthorne. No. We can't be doing that. We can't be rolling out like we did in the first quarter in two weeks' time. No. no You've you got to – you got to respect the opposition enough, but then at the same time be prepared to just take them on. But like and, you said, and, and recognize be prepared where to say, we're oh, better. I think, I think we're better, yeah. But not yeah. even better across the board. It's just in, yeah. Just recognize, yeah. look, we should have the weapons. And there's a time to go. And that's that really yeah, challenge. Now, press the button. These guys. Yeah. You know, as you said, we're not, we're not going to, we aren't man for man going to be better in every position on the ground at any given point. Going, But we are going to be better in positions that are fucking important. Yep. So use that and yeah. be positive, be play proactive, to your, play, to your strengths. play to our strengths. And then lastly on that, I was just a bit frustrated at times by how we set up at certain stoppages around the ground. This is an organisation thing and a lot of the time we still give our opponents the dangerous exit, yeah. whether it be corridor or whether it be kind of like out the front a little bit. Well, it's dare. It, it, oftentimes it's dare, isn't it? Saying, I dare to go there but, but because I reckon we've no got you there. covered, but there's no one there. Yeah. So you've actually got to have someone there as a bit of a gatekeeper. Yeah. If you're going to come out this way, there's someone here yeah. to at least compete for the ball or to tackle you. And to me, it just happens a bit too often. Like, it just shouldn't happen. It's like, I dare you to go there. Oh, fuck, they went there. Oh, shit. <laughs> shit. <laughs> oh, Vossi, they went out the exit. Oh, that's annoying. Um, chicken salads, Tim Davis. Yes. Number one chicken salad for me, Cripps, Chera, Walsh, and Kennedy. Aside from Adam Chera, uh, they all needed a day like yesterday. Yeah, they did. You know, and the fact that Cripper had kicked one goal all season mm. and he's managed to bag three, it's sort of like practically I would rather one goal a week for three weeks because it, it, it's the consistency of effort that you would rather rather see. And I think a Cripper kicking goals does a lot for our footy side, but... Again, having a day out, it doesn't surprise that one became three. So um, all power to him. A couple of his set shots, off the boot, they weren't stellar, but they sort of you know, changed direction and floated in and what looked no good suddenly became all right. okay. Or good, or good enough. <laughs> good enough. I'm a scat man. I've got another one. Oh, here we go. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we had the four. Top clearance winners on the ground. Wow, we Kennedy had nine, Chera had eight, Cripps had seven, and Walsh had five. It's pretty good, isn't it? So you go again, again. That's not going to happen every single week. And look, it won't. And and you are playing against a team whose core is still very young. But you know, you hear the media get sucked into certain players and actions and all that sort of stuff. And look, Noah Anderson. Very good footballer Super. on his way to being really, really good. Matt Rowe, ditto, at times. He needs to, to just get those shorts down a little bit. 
they they are very high. Very aren't they? high. Um, very aggressively but, high pent. And again, we sort of said, you know, when Cripper did the hamstring last year and they took full advantage, and you thought, gee, this is a young side. You know, you can't let them get a hold of you too early in their careers, otherwise they'll do it every other time you play them. Yeah, they came they came back to the field just a little bit out of. But they a, still, I still thought that at times, particularly when it's it's only a twenty odd minute period of the game. But I thought like you walk away and, and Anderson had some nice moments. Yep. You know, and you thought Raul had some nice moments where he broke away and he was obviously trying to test Cripper's endurance yep. a few times. And that yep. was and that's fine. Something Good that on he him. targeted. Yep. Um, and, and they're also playing without Took Miller, who absolutely you know is one of the league what leading. What did he do a knee? It was a he tweaked a knee, but he'll he'll play again this year. Yeah, so it wasn't yeah. ACL. Who's so. that? Um, geez, that young that young guy I thought was potentially sailing very close to the wind. Bailey Humphrey with a couple of dangerous tackles. Oh, and and the he, so, no, I'm not and, saying, and he belted. Um, I'm not saying he, he gave no 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 he he gave Mitch McGovern a bit of a hip and shoulder yeah. in the back over the line, and and so when we when he got caught holding the ball in the. Might have been early in the uh, no, it must have been third quarter. It was. I did enjoy seeing him getting face planted in, like not in a nasty way, but yeah. Uh, but actually, I thought, there was one we got him caught holding the ball and they didn't pay it. Well, I thought that there were a couple of tackles that he threw, hard tackles, whatever. But mm. I thought, geez, that's that's probably a free kick. Yeah. In this climate. Yep. Absolutely. Um, I don't think they were enough to warrant a suspension. We'll probably get off because one of them was. The Doherty one yeah, for the, like, that was the 50-meter penalty in the we'll, end. We'll probably get off the pod and he's been suspended for three weeks or something <laughs> yeah, for a day ago. Exactly but right. I just thought on the, on the, in the moment, I sort of thought, you're playing with a bit of moxie, mm. but you probably should be penalised for that. Um, he will be a good football player, that, yeah. that kid. I, I, I gave him a couple of, a, a mouthful a couple of times, um, as I did with my mate Ben Ainsworth, who okay. I've panned a couple of times. Mate, but, I had the uh, note here that you... Were you savagely going to go after Ben Ainsworth again last year? There was year, at one point. Last yeah. year you went after this kid yeah. and it was like unprovoked. Because he kicked, was it their first goal? I thought it was, I was, was their first to, goal. I was actually going to try to get the clip of it because I think even Fab and I were just like, whoa. <laughs> God, and, and, it's, and actually it's really, really funny because I'm in a couple of fantasy football leagues and um, I've had him before on the understanding and the expectation that he was going to become a star of the game. Like the what next pick was he eight or something? Four, four, four. Jesus. <laughs> so that's part of the reason why I go him. Anyway, um, today I, because of all the bye weeks and all that sort of stuff, I had to turn over a couple of players in one of my teams. Do you get extra trades to do that? No. See, this is one where it's a um, it's a draft league, so. There is only one Patrick Cripps, and it's whoever's drafted him or bid for him. So you can trade and him, though? You can trade him, yeah. And similarly, if there's a bye week and you've got to drop players to get numbers up, anyway, I, I dropped somebody. Let's say it was Lockie Jones with a broken jaw. I had to replace him. Ben Ainsworth was in the in the mix, and I thought, you'll do just fine. Thank you <laughs> very much, Ben. Even though I absolutely <laughs> came for you last year, inexplicably, <laughs> and caught everybody listening to the show off guard. I think I called him a pretender or it something was, like it that. Was, None. It was over the top. Like, well, given given the context of the conversation, yeah. it was just humming along. And he's then a, you just he, went him. No, he's a guy that I just have high expectations of being very good, and he's not done it. with tough love. A bit of tough but love. But it was yeah. probably... Too tough. <laughs> uh, I thought TDK did a good job, not so much in the ruck itself, because uh, we were still beaten in the ruck duel. Yes, but we're obviously Which you're going to do to Jared Witz. He's a big, big man and a very good player. When but he's clearly, on the clearance numbers uh, nullified that. Correct. Um, I thought, particularly around the ground, he was very good. And mate, I'll say this still, I'm blue in the face. Keep playing this way, TDK. Keep fattening those offers. Absolutely. Because we like you, and we think you're a good footballer. 
And and if you want to sign, we'll have you. No, and I'm not. I'm not like I won't hate it if you re-sign with us. But we've said it before. You might be the piece we need to be prepared to part with. Well, in fairness to him, we said he. We reckon he'd lost two to two point four million dollars. He probably got half a mil back on the weekend. But we we need him to be the guy who we can. You know, Tim, uh, Tim, you're Tim. Fab and I had said that. You know, we probably think he's that second round pick. Well, we need we do need him to be worth more than that. Yeah, we do. To then maybe package with something else yep. to flip into something better, which we can then go to the draft or whatever the case might be. Yep. Or get a couple of players. Get in a couple draft of players. Whatever. whatever it is, he could be the guy if we're prepared to part with him, leads to something better. And that's again, we can't say this enough. We don't think he's shit. No. Not at all. But he's just we need a better ruck option, and he's not playing as a forward. And this idea that he can play defence, you're like, well, we've never played defence. I just, I think what you, if you wanted to build a team around a young TDK that's developing, he's 25. Is he 25 now? Is he? He was drafted in 2016. Yeah, okay. People have got this idea that he's 22. I thought he was like 23, but anyway, not, neither here nor there. I think if you have more of a blank canvas as a team. You can really yeah. you can add him in, you can build around him in the way that you want. But when we're quite set in a number of positions, what he is and what he promises to be just doesn't feel like it's it's a it's, it's like not a hand in glove fit. Did you see the SEN thing about doing the twenty eighteen redraft and it's like oh you know, Carlton Hurd in picking Walsh? We were never going to kick uh, pick one of the King boys. No, that's right. We didn't need him. We didn't need either of them. We've already got two key forwards and we've proven with two two. But just go, we weren't going to pick Coleman one of medals, them. Yeah, we weren't going to pick one of them. No, that's right. It's just, it would have been. It actually would have been fucking lunacy. Well, what what we needed to have done in hindsight was to be able to find a way to trade out of one and have ended up with probably Rankin and Bailey Smith. And if you got those two players for one, you got the small forward that you were prepared to give a first rounder to get Tom Papley for, mm. and then you get a line breaking midfielder who is a good footballer. He's not Sam Walsh, and he doesn't do the inside stuff as much, but he's a good footballer. He probably had more of a haircut at Carlton because. What's going on there? But <laughs> but I think if you could have parlayed one into and you you'd have got Rankin and Smith and kept them, you'd probably be looking okay. The other chicken salad I got here is our looks at goal. We mentioned it a bit earlier. Shout out to Fragger eighty one on Twitter. Franco did tweet this. I saw, but he posted the shot map of where we were having our shots at goal from, and largely speaking, they were in the corridor. Corridor. And you went, change. wow. Who'd have thunk it? Who'd have thought if you're kicking from the corridor, yeah. you're probably kicking more goals? Well, and that was the thing that riled me most last week was a lot of people were saying, you know, we didn't win because we didn't kick straight. And it's going, we were kicking from horrendous, horrendous positions. Our chances of anyone kicking a winning score from where we were having our entries and our shots from goal from, you would have had to have been having the perfect day. So Absolutely. Um, it's, it's that classic footy refrain, not sustainable. It's exactly it's right. It's just not. Um Paddy Doe. You talked about people being able to have the suck of the sav and all that sort of stuff, and he still comes on and he plays 16 minutes of footy or whatever it works out to be. It's eight touches. And he was great. Looks all right. Couple of good kicks. Breaks away. Good decisions, running out of the middle. And you know, you know like, what I love? Oh, yeah. So I've got the thing here. Some, some things – I don't know how I came across. might have been my Batman, my recent Batman thing. And – um. You may or may not know, Tim, part of the Batman story as time goes on is that Bruce Wayne and Selina Kyle kind of have a – sometimes they end up together and sometimes they have this sort of unrequited love. Yes. And I remember thinking, 
I don't want to give anything away for people who haven't seen The Flash, but Batman's just like their interpretation of him and where where he is in his life was just like, really? It's like, this is what you're going for? That this is what Bruce Wayne's doing with himself now? And I thought, why wouldn't he just be with Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman? Yeah. We pick the story up 30 years later and they're just together. And they finally made they peace. They finally made peace and they're just together. They've, you know... Yeah, made good on that uh, sexual chemistry they had in Batman yep. Returns. Um, did you know that Michelle Pfeiffer dated Fisher Stevens for like four years? Who the fuck is Fisher Stevens? A little gremlin man. <laughs> and no, not like nothing against Fisher Stevens, mate. Like he, he should be an idol for every man on the planet because he bagged himself like prime Michelle Pfeiffer, like Catwoman Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh, wait. Um, like some things just don't make sense. And that is one of them. There you go. Another one is why our match committee don't want to give Paddy Dow a go. Well, and now they're in that beautiful situation of he's played three games as sub and he's played three quarters of footy in three weeks. So he either starts in the middle next week and plays a full game or he's back to the twos and he'll have 45. My tinfoil hat goes on, Tim, replacing my Buffalo Bills hat. (laughs) And part of me sat there yesterday when he was confirmed as the sub and I put the tweet out, that classic gif, you know, the guy on the street, you know tapping his forehead, his temple. Oh, yes. It's like he can't win the VFL Coaches Award if he doesn't play for a month. That's exactly right. They're almost trying to destroy the evidence. But it's just (laughs) – I just thought – it's this weird thing where I thought to myself, that's not part of it, is it? You're sabotaging another element of it too. We're not kind of tanking this guy a little bit because he actually can't – what we're giving him is 15 minutes a week. Exactly right. It's like he actually can't really do much with that. And every time it comes on, we all cheer for him. Mate, and that's one of my favourite things about Carlton at the moment. Yeah. And I, I flashed a glance down at Vossi on the bench and I thought... He'll hate it. He'll hate it. Fucking. The crowd's telling him. <laughs> like Dow got it at one point point. he sort of took off and he, yep. got a good, he got a little roar from the crowd. Yep. And you're thinking... We're all seeing it. We're all seeing it, mate. Yeah. And you can bury your head in the sand as much as you want. You can marginalise this guy as much as you want. He has been nothing but a perfect professional and he has never dropped his head. Yep. Um, He deserves. Well, we we were saying late in the game, after everything that we'd had, we were screaming. Who who said this? Jay and I. (laughs) Um, um, We wanted a David Cunningham goal. Yes. If we couldn't get a David Cunningham goal, we wanted a Paddy Dow goal. That's that's what we I, I, pro- see, I would have liked a Paddy Dow goal because it would have been a, like the roar. It would have been a great roar. Yeah. Cunners would have got one as well. But it would, the Paddy Dow would have got a really like funny, yeah, like bit of an FU yep. to the to the coach. Um, I liked our energy and our intensity, Tim. Yes. Largely. Tackling was better. Energy with the ball was better. Yep. Um, and we got some reward, you know, for those lesser lights like a Fogarty, a Cottrell, et cetera. Yep. Which actually flows on to, you know, the um, silent partners thing again, your Ralph Schumacher um, <laughs> and his uh, chain of sex stores in Slovenia, uh, which sadly didn't get off the ground. Um, this this narrative that's that's gained pace in the Carlton community for some time now, it's not new, is this bottom six discussion. Our oh, bottom six, our bottom six, our bottom six. Richmond won a premiership. On the strength of a bottom six. No. They won a premiership with Tiana. <laughs> yeah, let's do And Sean Grigg. Yeah. And, I, and look. Are our bottom six worse no. than Tiana? 
like genuine. It's a genuine question. Well, I so this conversation team is how do you use them? How do you deploy them? What are you asking them to do? We give them responsibility. This this thing, like, no, they're not fucking world beaters. No. But this idea that oh yeah, Jake right. Arts, Jake Art, but seriously, Jason Castagna, Jason Castagna is a three-time Premiership player. Yeah. Camden McIntosh, oh. I don't rate. They just give him a role and a responsibility. And he's dil- I use the word again. He's diligent. diligent. Yep. Going, but this idea that I oh, bottom six is the problem. Carl's bottom six. It's their bottom six. Going, Look at the last however many premiership teams and fucking tell me with a straight face that some of the guys we've got in our, quote, bottom six... Are no worse. Are no worse than that. Like, seriously. Yep, I agree with you, 100%. Oh, Jack Martin? Just putting it together. Hold on. Hold on. You kidding? I am Queens Boulevard. Eight touches, but let up, tackled, put some pressure on, hit up Chera a couple times, showed his creativity... I do think he's one of those almost players in that if he was a tiny bit quicker, yep. just a tiny bit quicker, he'd be like twice as good. And I don't know about you, but I cannot stand it. Just I think I have post-traumatic stress. Mm-hmm. But when he grabs the ball and he runs away from goal and he's jinking left and he's jinking Go right. Go back towards goal. Well, no, I just think you're going to do that and you're going to plant your foot and you're going to tear an ACL. So please oh, stop yeah. doing this. I would like him to just once actually go back towards goal. Well, when he turned and he hit the left footer and he hit Chera. Chera. Yeah, you did was say that. Was that at your end? It was right in front of me. Because he did it in the first quarter as well. Yeah, yeah. It was beautiful. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was. It was excellent. And was- again, it showed the class that we've got guys with talent and Corey Durden does some really, really good things and Jesse Motlop has moments and all that sort of stuff. And oh, he's... Oh, he's, he's a, a little bit more workmanlike and all that sort of stuff. And it gives you effort. But the absolute top-class blue Raban talent, when um, Jack Martin did that, it's like, that's, that's, that's why it. you're there. Like, you know, Cunners just had a couple. He only had 11 or 12 touches, yeah, I think. Yeah. And then he, he munged a couple. But, but he, had, he had a couple of moments where you just went. You're in it. That's it. You're there. You know, you've just you've done and, that. And what was your comment? You said after three quarters, you've said, I've seen enough to be able to give him another contract. Uh, it was tongue in cheek, but it was like he's but exactly it, what but we it need. Was. It you know, he's exactly what was. we need. If the guy's fit, he's exactly what we've been missing. And if you've got four blokes that have got injury issues, like a Martin and a Marchbank and a McGovern and a, um, it might be a bit of um, you, you, you may you so, may not be able to have mate, too many of it them. It might be legitimately survival of the fist. Well, it's legitimately. Yeah. We'll put these this this quintet even if you include like a Sam Philp. Yeah, and go, that's we've it. got three contracts. Yeah. Yeah, and we've got to make a decision as who we're going to keep because keeping five seems like we're hamstringing ourselves or carving us, Carving is, yeah. you know, the way that we've been going of late, um, more than we need to. But that, for me, again, I think we spoke about it a couple of weeks ago, is part of the reason why I would protect slash rookie list Philp. Well, that's exactly right. So you go, we got, we're not going to lose anything. The guy's had a torrid run with injury. When we've seen him be able to play at the twos level, he's actually that half-forward, creative, runs, kicks goals. Yep. You know, like, we're not going to pick anything up better immediately in the draft. No. And you've already, him. Three years into already him. put three all, years all, into him. All been a lot in the rehabilitation group. He's taken up a lot of space <laughs> in the treatment room. He's got his own, like... Elastoplast. He's, he's got his own bed. <laughs> he's got his own personal masseuse. But Cunners is proof positive to me. You sort of go... This guy might be actually what we need. Absolutely. We might actually already have something that we need. Yep. Why do we need to turf that out and start again? Yep. And hope that and something hope, might be half as good. Absolutely. Um, and he's also, too, there's the other thing where you're like, as an asset being bought into a football club, Cunningham, Philp, et cetera, they 
are more au fait with what you're trying to do. Yep. You're not having to tool them up, hopefully. So you're actually saving time then less what you've already invested into them. Yep. You're sort of knowing that, well, once he should be fit to go, we actually don't need to train him as such in the IP sort of sides of the game. Any chicken salads for you, Tim? Uh, yeah, I wanted to I wanted to pump up uh, Brody Kemp. Mm-hmm. I thought when you looked at the opposition, I, I deliberately forward, didn't I, have him on mine. No, fair enough. I thought um, I'd leave him for you. <laughs> when you got Ben King, Jack Lacocious, and Levi Casbolt on the one forward line, they're they're three pretty tall, imposing, capable footballers. In a week where we've decided to put Lewis Young back into the twos because he's not quite working it out, you've basically asked two of Kemp, McGovern, and Newman to play a little bit taller as well as doing the the mobile so ideally roles. Ideally, you'd probably prefer Kempy on Lukosius. Well, this is exactly right, but then you know how big of an engine Lukosius has got, so that there has to be a level of handover and, and you're playing on a variety. We're obviously never going to leave King just to, you know, a Kemp or someone like that because he's just too big. But, the, again, the ball just didn't go for Ben King as the game sort of went through, and that's a good thing for us. But he took his marks, he ran back, took him with a flight, he laid tackles, he was desperate. and hey, it, You know it, what he is? I'll use the phrase again. He's proof positive. He's been given a run. Yep. Well, who was he? He was dropped against someone, and you just went premature. Well, like they dropped him for one. And well, he his first went, game was West Coast, and he was terrific. He sort of went, but against not against not much, against and much. then he played the next game, and he obviously got, and, and he wasn't even that bad. And they dropped him, and you, you thought, going, just, really, mate? Yeah, no, come on, just, just give, gotta persist. Just give him it's it's the classic and Paddy Paddy Doe. <laughs> just give him a couple. Yep. Just give him a couple and say to him, like they hopefully probably said to Kemp. Yep. So look, mate, you got don't worry about it. Go, you've got at you got least a month. A month. Like, don't month. worry about it. You know, get yourself into it. But get the rhythm. Get the pace of the game. I, I would be, I would be flabbergasted if he's dropped at any point for the rest of the season. No, on, the ba- on the basis of what we've seen, he has to play. It, this is a season that's dead. It is. Like if I, I would be again flabbergasted if we end up in finals calculation. Flabbergasted. Right, Robbo. Flabbergasted. But. I couldn't imagine that we're in finals calculations. If we string a few together and people start talking, I couldn't imagine for us to get we're, it to we're too where far we, back. we're. We're too far back. We've left ourselves no room for error. Is the the line that you love to to I give? Do. So therefore, he plays every single game for the rest of the season. I agree completely, Tim Davis. Oh, it's another '90s banger, Tim. What's your favourites? This could be one of my favourite songs ever. I went there, Tim. I'm, I'm proud of you. I went there. I thought, do I do um, Give It Away? Always a good one. Do I do Californication? Not bad, yeah. I like Give It Away as a song. I just love Flea on the bass on uh, Give It Away. This is typically Chili's. Very much so. This is actually like the... You listen to Californication, you're like, they're actually very similar songs. Yeah, yeah, but then you have a style. You have a style. Yeah. Why do we play that, Tim? Because the blues are back, bang. So the three blues are back bangers that have been promising for weeks now. <laughs> there you go. There you go. We've got the Cup of Life. <laughs> They're all on the podium. Enter Sandman and Under the Bridge by the Chilies, a band who I, I, I want... think are overrated. <laughs> well, and again, I don't want to be condescending, but I'm very, very proud of you for putting that in because it shows growth, No, Sean. but it's not growth. No, see, no, see, no. Unlike Fabian. Take, take, unlike take Fabian, the compliment. 
Take I, the compliment for what it is. It's a backhander. The, I understand The chilies aren't necessarily my cup of tea, but I understand that they are, and I'll use the phrase again, a quintessential yep. 90s band with a quintessential 90s sound. And sometimes you have to give the people what they And want. I can appreciate that. <laughs> I don't particularly think that they're great. I think they've had like a handful of good songs in a 30-year career that I just think that their output is absolutely nowhere near their reputation. Okay. But I recognise that that song, you know, captured a lot of hearts and minds back in 91. I'm with you. And people like it. And it's got, you know, it's that quintessential chilli sound. Um, chicken shits. I've just got one chicken shit. I kind of mentioned it earlier. Our fitness, I remain unconvinced it's anywhere where it needs to be. Okay. Um, we still look like we've basically got a, one strong quarter in us. Because you thought about what we produced on Sunday – and we had that 25-minute burst in the second and we had energy and we had verve and we had urgency and all that. And for the rest of the quarter, it was at acceptable standard, yep. but it didn't reach those dizzying heights again where we, we couldn't put the pedal to the metal and get to that level again. Yeah. So we've seen it at different times. You know, We mentioned those great games we played against a Sydney or a Frio or that quarter against Collingwood, et cetera. We feel, it still just feels like we've got the one go. Yep. And then we kind of regress back to just uh, plodding around. I, I can hear you. I can appreciate your, your stance. So I thought it was an issue last year. It remains an issue now. Yeah. Have you got any chicken shit? The only other one that I was wanting to give, and and it looked like we were on our way to disaster early, I reckon Mark Pitnett gave away four free oh. kicks in about 15 minutes, and it's sort of like I thought a couple of them were a little bit soft. Yeah. But it was like, mate – one of them. You've uh, been sent a message. The Levi one I thought was very soft in the it forward was. pocket. Yep. And that was like, what is that even for? You're both holding each other. Yep. But then there were a couple. There was one in the center square for Levi again. I think it was right yep. after that. And you just yep. went, that's dumb. Yeah. Well, that, and that was the thing. You thought, mate, you keep going the way that you're going. You are going to give away 24 free kicks. At some point. And pace. I, I would really, really hope at some point you've read the room. You've listened to what the umpire is saying and saying maybe be a little less handsy. Maybe just, yeah, you know, stop being like the horny prom date. You know, I get that you're excited, you're back out there, but just keep your hands to yourself. Um, I think he still looks like he really has no confidence jumping. He was never really a jumping ruckman anyway. But he would jump, whereas now he just looks like knees people. Yeah, he does sort of that, tries to get his timing right, lifts his knee <laughs> up and moves you again. The rest of the body doesn't like, move with it. What's happening? <laughs> I, I just, yeah, he's, he's an interesting type, isn't he? It's, um, but again, I love the shepherd to free up Brody Kemp earlier it's on. It's so, handball territory there, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Like he was, he was okay. He was fine. He, he was okay. Well, we needed him to battle. He battled. That, well, that he certainly did. What I'm liking, Tim, about the SI Morales Memorial Buster Nut Trophy yes. is it's becoming one of the most time-efficient segments of the show every single week. I'm going to throw to you, and you're going to give me a first name and a surname. This week's SI Morales Memorial Buster Nut Trophy winner is... Brody Camp. Fucked him. I wrote a few. I, it's I, not Brody Camp. You gave it to Patrick Cripps then? No. You gave it to David Cunningham? David Cunningham. Okay. He was the second name on my okay. list. But it, it was it was a very interesting one because, as you say – This is the nature of the SI. Well, it's the it's where are your eyes going all the time. And, and yeah, I 
I, I just kept, see him back I, out I, there. Well, I kept going to him, and 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 again when he ran onto it and he did a few things, and the speed that he's got and the cleanliness, it was all there. You saw what you wanted to see. He did some nice things. He showed his class. He did. He, he did. got through the game. I have no problem with he it. He gets to have a week off. Yep. So David Cunningham, our S. I'm not even sure if we were, we were even doing the SI when David Cunningham was last fit. Possibly not. Um, but nevertheless, a uh, potentially. A first SI win for David uh, David Cunningham. Good on your cunners. Is a real feather in his cap. Absolutely. Mailbox time. Uh, um, You've got mail. We've got uh, Adrian here. Who said, did we reach common ground on our hosting poll? Yeah, Fab was meant to host, but he bailed. Christian Chapman. He was never meant to host. 100%. I, he had to host once. No, I said, go, you can host from now no, on. We can mix that, it up. We can handball was... it to you. Go, and if you want to do this fast and loose pod, go, and I'm more than happy to play Fabian and just turn can up. Can I make one very important distinction? No. <laughs> you have gone, not to great pains, but you've mentioned once upon a time that you have a little piece of paper that says you know what you're doing with regards to media. What? You talked about how you got a media degree. Yeah, that makes more sense. I was thinking like an actual bit of paper. No, no, no. You, like I've got you, keeping a notebook. No, no. You used that phrasing Did about uh, four or five weeks ago um, where you referred to it. But anyway, I digress. Fabian doesn't have one of them. I also don't have one of them. So therefore, you're the host. No. Fabian last week. I know, I was there. Fabian last week didn't want to do a show, proper show, so he said he'll just do it. He no, drew, the way that it played out is we didn't have he, we didn't have the time for you to do your stock standard preparation, which we love and, and we value. Last week's show drew rave reviews. It was regarded in a poll as one of our greatest episodes of all time. Yes. So I thought we'll we'll keep the good times rolling. You can host okay. again. And he decided no. I don't, I don't think we needed it. I thought Fab did a phenomenal job and I'm thrilled that he was able to take it all in his stride and deliver the way that he did. And it's all because of the formula that you've worked hard on creating. So. Christian Chapcoon, with Fabian now taking a more prominent role, <laughs> don't hold your breath, Christian, but he'll host again. How long before we get an outside broadcast at the Mernda Footy Ground? Well, given how flexible Tim and I have to be, to get these episodes off on a weekly It'd basis. It'd have to be a Mernda home game, not an away game. Like, it, it would, yeah. I mean, I imagine we'll probably be there pretty soon. Um, so we'll see. We'll say hi. Uh, Peter B, uh, are we giving Voss credit for Sunday given he got the blame for prior performances? Now, I think we just need to have some perspective. I don't think we know. 100%. And, and that's why we sort of said we've got to see what happens next week because – for the first 20 minutes, there was precious little given at all, and then it changed. And and, and did it change on field? Like, uh, in, in fairness, and, and, and we've been kicking Vossi a little bit. Vossi behind closed doors and in training sessions and doing it, he might be working his ass off, and he might be going to every little trick in the book that he's gleaned from Robert Walls and Lee Matthews and everybody else along the journey, Kenny Hinckley and all that sort of stuff. He may be throwing... Every piece of junk I can find at him. Uh, what's his name? The uh, crafty Eddie Harris, whatever his name yeah, the is. Crafty veteran Eddie Harris. Yeah, that's one um, of my favourite lines. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's. I think it's the first one. It is the first one. Is it the first one? Yeah. Um, so one of the beauties of the, the construction of the Cleveland Indians roster is we only know of three, two pitchers technically. Crafty veteran Eddie Harris, who's the starter, 
And um, the wild thing, Rick Vaughan, who's whatever he needs to be on any given day, starts off as a closer. And then by the end, he, by, like part of the way, he's a relief pitcher and then he's a starter and then he's back to being a closer. Yep. Um, but uh, Chelsea Ross, I think, was the man who played Eddie Harris. And he uh, he played... Plays a president in another one. He played... Um, president in the last Boy Scout, if I'm not wrong. He played Conrad Hilton in Mad Men. Yeah, okay. And he also played... Uh, John Larroquette, the bad guy in uh, Richie Rich. He played John Larroquette's ah. like right hand, like his henchman. Yep. Um, I, I remember seeing that and I was like, that's crafty veteran Eddie Harris. <laughs> and he all of a sudden, the film was made like five years after Major League, but he looked like 15 years older. <laughs> um, what was he putting his foot in Crisco and Vagisil? And <laughs> everything I'll give everything you an extra inch on your drop. Or whatever, <laughs> you're careful. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, no. So I think. We don't know if Vossi is sitting there pulling every single trick out of the book that he can find in a way to be able to capture what he's wanting to do and seeing change, and or or have or have they just fallen ass backwards into, you know, playing a, a more open style? You know, we we have to see it more and have to see it as a pattern before we know that this is, you know, the new game style. But look, we're doing it. And that's good. How we're doing it, well, we'll wait and see. But we'll fingers like crossed we get more of it. Chris Marantelli, can we get Dada Ganoush into the lab to analyse how Carlton set a world record for goals from centre clearances despite barely winning a hit-out? Pittnet had four hit-outs to three-quarter time. Is that right? Wow, eh? <laughs> and then to follow up, um, Matty H, uh, beautifully in, in sort of simpatico with one another. Yeah. Uh, what pleased you most about yesterday was it how dangerous – or sorry, how dangerous could we be if we had a quality ruckman? Yeah. And that's – that's the problem. Well, as you because say, if you this... can have 12 more clearances than the opposition but with a ruckman that's only got four hit-outs, you're, you're roving to a guy who's not trying to hit it to you and you're getting it in spite of it. What would you do if you had a guy that was trying to give it to you? Going back in time, and again, this is Brody Kemp, Brody Kemp. Brody Grundy might have had no interest in coming to Carlton. Yep. So that's another part of this deal is that Melbourne sold him the dream and he was prepared to go to Melbourne. Should we have offered Collingwood TDK? Well, in hindsight. And you're sort of going, we actually get something we fucking need. Yeah. Going, and you get this guy who's a bit of a... It might have been offered. Like maybe. You, 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 you just don't know. Um, just one quick one. Again, friend of the pod, Jay Hyatt, brought fucking up something Hyatt. that I Jesus was unaware Christ, of. Does Alex Murkov have a heart condition? He had a leaky valve. He has a leaky valve. It's apparently been fixed and he's going to make a full recovery. He just won't play for the rest of the year. So he's not playing for the rest of the year. Okay. Because I still have visions of this big athlete, you know, be able to get hands onto the ball, what he might be able to do. Um, but, yeah, anyway. Peter Carrick, was it a coincidence that in our best win in a while we hardly used acres? Was that because we were so much more direct instead of always going wide? Well, we are still going wide at times. But, again, you know, it was, I still thought acres was very much the catalyst and gave us something that we hadn't seen for a while, even though he's been more outside than inside. And I give him credit. Like he's been through, he's gone through a crisis of confidence. Um, he's clearly not kicking the ball as much as he was, but he got involved a lot more yesterday. He wasn't prime moving, he wasn't dominant, but he gave us something that we hadn't seen before. And I think he was a, he, he he played a very important role yesterday, and I commend him for it. Justin Lloyd, this one, a couple here that are right in my wheelhouse. Uh, Justin has asked, "Is Mighty Ducks three any good?" I've watched one and two to get me through this lean period. I'm concerned that three might be the one that drops off considerably. I think they're all of a fairly comparable quality as far as the Disney family sports film goes. 
Um, Stephen Brill, I think, was less involved uh, in Mighty Ducks 3 from memory, but uh, he actually played the lawyer who was um, the attorney working against uh, Gordon Bombay in the first one. Um, sort of writer slash got himself a little role in the movie. Um, I think the first one's the best of the three because it's sort of the most unfettered by what it would eventually become. It's sort of not impacted by the big Disney machine and no. the corporate merchandising. It was a simplicity. Not that that's a problem, but no. it's, you know, the Anaheim Ducks don't exist yet. And it's sort of like, it's this beautifully little self-contained story, um, which has a lovely little emotional through line with Gordon, you know, um, overcoming his own personal trauma and relationship with hockey because of his dad and sort of mentoring the Joshua Jackson character who doesn't have a dad and sort of rediscovering his love of, you know, who he is, I suppose. I never knew that Pretty Woman was a Disney movie. I only found that out the other day. Uh, yeah, who was it? Touchstone? Touchstone. Yeah, which and is Disney's sort of adult brand. That's exactly And had a lot right. of good movies. Yeah. Touchstone, under the Touchstone brand. Because, again, it sounds stupid, but marketing Pretty Woman with Buena Vista and the castle at the front, it's like, no, it's not a Disney movie. No. But if you put a Touchstone logo... Well, the audience it can be something different. It can be something different, and the audience are less sort of besotted to. It's a fucking Disney movie. Yeah, what the fuck yeah. is this? But it, it, it still, in the end, it sort of plays to the same. Yeah, it does. Uh, it's a, it's like an adult fairy tale. That's exactly right. That's um, exactly what it is. But no, Mighty Ducks three's got some nice stuff. Gordon Bombay's not in it as much. He's barely in it at all, um, and it doesn't really make a lot of sense that they go to this Eaton's Eaton Hall. It's like a high school, hmm. and they they can't beat the Eaton Hall varsity team. But it's like you've just won a Junior Goodwill Games gold medal. <laughs> It's like you've just won an international tournament. You've kind of got these the wrong way around. Yeah. You should have done District 5, win the Pee Wee, then get a scholarship, win the high school tournament, and like Minnesota State, Games, and yeah. then go to the Goodwill Games and win that. Um, I didn't mind it. Edward uh, Schiavone asks, what's the best sequel of all time? There's only one answer to this question. Godfather 2. Nope. Godfather 2 is a fine movie. Indiana Jones and the Temple of no, Doom. No, no. Because Temple of Doom's... Not as good as Raiders. It's Star Wars. Empire Strikes Back is yeah. the greatest sequel of oh, all time. Yeah, that, sorry, yeah, yeah. Because it is a sequel to the biggest movie ever made. Yeah. And it is completely different. Yeah. It couldn't be more different. Yep. And usually sequels rehash the same things or they tell sort of the same story. And The Godfather 2 is a brilliant movie. Mm. Don't get me wrong. You go, is it better than the first one? Splitting hairs. But Empire is indisputably a better movie than Star Wars. Yeah, fair enough. The characters, are, the characters are all richer. Like, they all grow and they're all more interesting. Um, it introduces more lore. Yep. You learn more. Vader was just... If you go back and watch the first one completely, again, unfettered by what the series becomes, yep. Darth Vader's not even the main villain. Yeah, fair enough. Tarkin, Peter Cushing's the main villain. Yep. And the yep. Death Star, he's just a henchman. Yep. And then all of a sudden he becomes this incredibly sort of tragic fallen hero with this and it's got the greatest cliffhanger, the greatest twist of all time at the yep. end. Yep. Um, technically speaking, it's better in every way. It's got the great start, the battle on Hoth. It's got the asteroid chase, which is ridiculous. It's got the fight at the end, which is outstanding. Like all the characters are better. Yoda, like again, that's a fucking great moment where I remember watching that as a kid and he's looking for this guy and it's, who's this little fucking idiot? <laughs> Go, and there's that great moment where he breaks, he drops the, you know, and he, you're Luke. You're, the audience is Luke in the movie yep. going, oh, it's him. 
Mm. Phenomenal. Great performance again by Frank Oz. John Williams' score is better. The the Imperial March yep. is introduced in Empire. That's not in the first one. Yep. Empire Strikes Back is the greatest sequel of all time because it's maybe one of the best movies of all time. Um, Rob G has said we are one zero after Fabian has hosted the pod. Are we going with an unchanged lineup? <laughs> that would be a no. SPB back in the main <laughs> chair. Look, unfortunately, Fabian uh, couldn't back up. Calf tightness. Um, he was a bit sore. Did a Jack Martin. Um, Josh has said the same thing. He's one from one hosting the pod. Fuck the haters again. Couldn't back up. Oh, one more. One more. One more. Football Serge. Yep. Where have I put it? It's serious because it's very important base. Uh, <laughs> was the difference between Carlton on Sunday and Fine Cotton that half the Queensland police force, as well as the Minister for Racing and Gaming, weren't loaded up on Carlton? <laughs> weren't covered in brown paint. What an extraordinary ruse that they thought they'd get away with it. Unbelievable. The more you hear about it. It's it, one of the it, great, it's like, it's just, it's it's a movie. Oh, you, it's, it's like you what, couldn't write it. It's like, you did you? how did you, you think you were going to get away with this? write it, yeah. Oh, it's brilliant. Can I tell my horse story? Sure. So Adam and I each own like 2% oh, in this horse called Canadian Ruler. Yeah, you own one of its hooves. Yes. And so Canadian Ruler at its first start, and, and apologies to the pod for not sending the tips around and all that sort of stuff, but... You don't want to fuck with your odds. No, well, it, well no. Well, I it debuted in a Bathurst Maiden about three weeks ago, and it went around at a $1.40 favourite. So you couldn't back it. You know, it was too much of a risk. Anyway, it won quite comfortably, but against far lesser opposition, albeit... Older horses, it's still only a two-year-old. Anyway, it went round on the first race at Rose Hill on Saturday, and it was coming up a horse against a horse called Tuta La Vita. And the previous start two weeks earlier, Tuta La Vita was held up and stuck behind a couple of horses, missed missed the kick, thing drove down the outside, and it it burst clear on the inside late, charged at the line, got beaten a nostril, and it was the best of good things beaten. And evidently, their stable holds this horse in really really high regard. The horse that beat it in that race then ran in a Group One race. The JJ Atkins are up it, of course, uh, uh, up in Brisbane. The JJA the previous week and finished about eighth. But is it, that a Group it, One? It's Group One race, yeah. So my thing coming off a of Bathurst maiden, coming up against something that would have competed at Group One level, you thought we're on a hot in nothing here. Mm. Anyway, we led, um, got to about three hundred to go. Tudela Vita went past us, uh. probably got a neck in front, and you thought I think we're a bit cooked here, and then. It kind of flat spotted, and then all of a sudden, Canadian ruler has dug in, come up, back up the inside, and I thought, "It's going to fucking win this." <laughs> and then very late, Tudela Vita, it's class bit, showed. It's class showed. It got up, it won. Our horse finished second. It was paying twelve dollars, so um, yeah, de- decent if you backed it each way. So sorry, what? what so it was paying twelve. Yeah. But what was it paying each way? I would have paid like three forty a place or something like What'd that. What you put on it? Hundred to win. <laughs> You didn't have it to place. No, I didn't have it to place. Uh, I just, I, I just thought you're in it to win it. Well, the trainer had said, I think it'll finish. You know, if he said if it finishes top four, it's a great result. So he's not pushing it hard, and he's tempering expectations. Yeah, and so I just sort of thought, look, I really don't think. And and separate to that, I put a four leg multi on had Tutu La Vita as the first leg because okay. I thought it was the better of the day anywhere in the country. So the fact that our thing nearly pinched it was 
very, very satisfying. Um, <laughs> Not but, as satisfying uh, as winning would have been. Well, no, but, uh, and, and, but very, very late. I just sort of thought, I'm going to look like a prize dick here if mm. uh, if this thing wins and I'm not on it. <laughs> so very, very late. I, I, I put a hungee on it just to see if uh, if the miracle happened. And lo and behold, it, it nearly came up. And geez, I yelled at the television well, in the last what 50 What do they say, meters. Timbo? You can't win the lottery. If you don't buy a ticket. If you don't buy a ticket. So Canadian ruler might run in about three or four weeks. Oh, here we go. Keep us abreast. Yes. Tim. It is Who Wants to Be a Millionaire time. All righty. We ready? Yes. Hold on, I've got to press this one now. What was the name of the nightclub? <laughs> Edgar Rice Burroughs' legendary and highly influential Barsoom series is regarded by many as the Rosetta Stone of science fiction fantasy storytelling. Burroughs' stories were originally published as serialised excerpts, if you will, in the pages of pulpy magazines before later being collated and published as novels. Between 1912 and 1948, Burroughs published 11 Barsoom novels, but what was the title of the first? Are you clear? (laughs) <laughs> what was his first Basum or whatever Basum it was? Basum novel. Was it A, Swords of Mars? Was it B, A Princess of Mars? Was it C, John Carter of Mars? Or was it D, The Gods of Mars? So Edgar Rice Burroughs, 2012. This was finally adapted into a feature film. John Carter, it was just called John Carter, in fact. I've got an interesting story Which about I that. I never, ever knew what the genesis of that was. But, but obviously... I'll tell you a little bit later. It, it's one of the great Hollywood fuck-ups. We spoke about Tank and Paddy Dow, potentially. Disney dead set tanked this movie. Really? 100% yep. tanked it. So uh, his Barsoom novels, John Carter was the hero of these stories, obviously. Yep. Uh, he was a 19th century cavalryman, a Confederate cavalryman, transformed, uh, transported to Mars, and his adventures on Barsoom is what they called the planet. Yep. Swords of Mars, a princess of Mars, John Carter of Mars, or the gods of Mars. Okay, so. <laughs> this is what we like. If you'd have given me the guns of Mars or something like that, if he's a, if he's a cav- cavalryman then I figured that was going to be his weapon of choice. So you've sent him to Mars and you've given him this weapon. I Maybe I could say you're, you're taking what you know into foreign circumstances and you could have used them. <sighs> Obviously, if you called it John Carter of Mars, you're introducing the character. But is he going to go a bit more generic and then you get to know John Carter through it and it becomes something else? feel like the princess comes later that has to be a second third maybe even a fourth episode in the series so you're not opening with the princess of mars so it's definitely not b the gods of mars just seems a little bit um it's too grandiose okay I was wondering where you were going with it. No, it's too grandiose. It's sort of you've got to be a little bit more respectful. And if it's your first, it's your first foray. You're not going with gods of Mars. You you you've got an overinflated sense of self if you're doing that. So I'm going to park D. I'm still not quite convinced John Carter's carrying a sword, but I am going to lock in A. Swords of Mars. That's what we're going with. I like your growth here, Timbo, because you've just locked in A and you haven't asked for any help or 
Don't need it. Do any help. Don't need it. Don't want it. So published in 1917, the first John Carter adventure in the Barsoom series was not The Gods of Mars. Good. It was not John Carter of Mars. Yes. But it was indeed Timbo. The fuckers. The princess. The princess of Mars. Where did she come from? So basically, <laughs> I, liked, I liked all your work there, Timbo, though. So basically... Um, Published in All Star magazine between February and July of 1912 under the initial title Under the Moons of Mars. Okay. A Princess of Mars tells the story of John Carter being uh, transferred or transported to Barsoom, Mars, and his encounters with the princess and his romance with De- uh, Deja Thoris, there who we is go. the Princess of Mars. Understood. So she's the, the eponymous, the title of the book. Yep. Um, obviously, the series was incredibly popular and, like I said, incredibly influential. Um, Chronicled his run-ins with Thurns, Tharks and Thirds, all sorts of different crazy characters. Sure. Um, and if you sort of read it or watch it, particularly the first couple of novels, uh, it has been ripped off like you wouldn't believe yeah. by, think of it, anything. It's Captain Kirk? Everything. It'd be thinking about what's if, like Star Wars. If took John a Carter's from knocking around with the Princess of Mars, I reckon yeah. Captain Kirk's been doing a fair bit of that yeah. over his... Uh, so. Uh, it was, as I said earlier, it was finally adapted to the big screen in 2012 after a bit of a story, a bit of a, an interesting history to kind of get to the big screen. John Favreau was going to do it. All sorts of directors were yep. going to do it. It ended up finally being given to Andrew Stanton, who was... Who was in Weekend at Bernie's. He was in Weekend at Bernie's. No, no, not different Andrew Stanton. Ah, damn it. Uh, he was the director and a very um, prominent creative force at Pixar. Yep. And I think he, ah, yes. he, he did a whole bunch of different stuff and... I've seen the name. Basically as a... Thank you to Pixar, who Disney had bought and were trying to keep on side. Um, Brad Bird, who had done some films for Pixar, was given... He did a film called Tomorrowland, which was obviously a George Clooney film. Um, He also did uh, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. That wasn't a Disney film. But Andrew Stanton was basically given the directing gig, your first live-action directing gig. It's a bit of a show of good faith. You've done a lot of fantastic work with Pixar for so long. We'll let you make this passion project of yours, uh, your first foray into live-action filmmaking. And then they proceeded to sort of tank it. There's a book called The Gods of Hollywood, John Carter and the Gods of Hollywood, which is a really wonderfully insightful book about how effectively... Which if I had known that, I would have gone with Gods of Mars. <laughs> yeah, well, effectively, um, Disney at this phase had... I'm just trying to get my own timeline right, but if you think about... 2010, Disney actually didn't have any big properties. So their Pirates of the Caribbean series had come and gone and for all intents and purposes had wrapped up in, I think it was 07. Um, The last one or the third film was out. So there was no real, what are we doing with this? They didn't own Marvel yet, which is something they would buy to kind of fill this gap. They tried to kind of get Tron going Yep. Is Tron now something that we can make a, a, a series and a franchise out of? And it sort of didn't happen. Yep. The Lone Ranger with uh, Our Man Army Hammer, oh, wow, of wait. course, was of an expensive film. Shouldn't that, have eaten Tonto. <laughs> I think he ate, uh, <laughs> some, I think he ate Silver. Um, I think uh, that, that one didn't just get off the ground. That was a bit, little bit later. And then this thing is, is John Carter maybe something? There's this extraordinary source material. Can we turn this into something? It's not just one film. This could be three, four, five films. So why? So... Okay. They start making this film, it becomes very expensive. The Lone Ranger doesn't really go for them. Tron doesn't really go for them. The Sorcerer's Apprentice was a similar thing. Nicolas Cage was in it and it was 
does this become something for us? I think they might might have tried to do Percy Jackson at one point, and basically nothing's working. They buy the MCU. They just can plug in and play. We've got this thing now that we can rely on to release films every year and keep this IP ticking over. And then they buy something else. Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, of course. And internally, the logic, I think, is we don't need two of these. Yep. And we're not pumping $250 million a movie for the next 10 years into John Carter. Into little Johnny Carter. Which could become something I don't fucking know. Nah, we'll do Star Wars. Well, you got the home run there, don't you? Spot on. So what it sort of creates is this extraordinary story of just mismanaging it and not doing it, not mismanaging it in such a way that it's incredibly prominent, but all these little decisions just adding up to the audience doesn't know what the fuck this film is. You've you've never had any intention of making this successful. And so they call it, initially it was called, the film was called John Carter of Mars. Yep. And that sounds pulpy and... John Carter of Mars. Oh, yeah. They didn't want to call it a Princess of Mars because the attitude was it's a male-driven superhero film and yep. it's it, it skews a little bit feminine. And you can people might not agree, but you sort of go from a marketing point of view. I sort of get it. Well, Hollywood's always been a bit of a patriarchy. A, a so, bit silly. I sort yeah. of get it. It's a bit confusing as to. A, That's also why I thought it was never going to be the first 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 novel. But again, if you know, it's one of those. If you know the story, the story is very central around their relationship and his romance and his meeting her. The Princess of Mars. Makes sense in hindsight. Yeah. So anyway, they make this movie. They buy a Super Bowl ad, which is the most confusing Super Bowl ad of all time. It's a bunch of little screens of clips of the movie, so you can't get a good look at anything. And then the film's just called John Carter. Yeah. You're like, what is this? Yeah. What's it about? Rather than market it as this is the story that inspired every significant piece of science fiction fantasy of the 20th century. Correct. And the other thing that hurt it was... A big set piece in the film is him taking on this creature in a big arena, and you're like, "It's gladiator." But no, you sort of like Star Wars ripped this off ten years yeah, ago, yeah, yeah. Yep, and yep, the audience yep. doesn't know that they ripped it off from you. Yeah, but they did this ten years ago. Yeah, it looks it's the same scene. Yeah, so it's a really really fascinating little piece of pulpy cinema nowadays that exists in very much its own bubble and it's fine. Like, it's totally fine. And have they ever gone back to the well with it? No, no, they never will. And they never will. No, they never will. And the tragedy is the last, like, the last, like, five or six minutes of the film, and this is, to be fair, it's it's almost symptomatic of what cinema was doing at this era. So if you think about Batman Begins, he's actually not Batman until the end of the movie. Yeah. But it's very well told and the anticipation is, well, we know who Batman is and we're prepared to be patient and it ends up being a good film. So we're prepared to get to the end of the movie where there he is, he's Batman and he jumps off the roof and it's the promise of sequels. And we know that you'll make sequels because it's Batman. Batman makes money. Well, whereas this one does that where you're like, he actually doesn't become John Carter until the last five minutes of the film. And the last five minutes of the film are in the context of the rest of the film are excellent. Yep. And it ends with this heroic rousing promise of more adventures on Basum and you're like, this is fucking brilliant. You'll never make these movies. Yeah. But the end of this film is fucking perfect. He ends up getting taken away from Mars and he finds his way back there and it's very clever how he does it. And the, the Michael Giacchino, his score swells up and he ends up being transported back. There. And you're like, this is fucking perfect. It'll never be picked up on again. You've waited way too long. Yeah. You've basically said that this two and a bit hour movie is just a trailer. Wow. Rather than yeah. its own movie. Sure. 
but very fascinating nonetheless. And I like, uh, it. I like the I like question. We're going to go now, Timbo, to the last segment of the show, which is, of course, I'm going to make sure this, make sure it's up. Make sure the sound is up. Interestingly enough, do you know the other literary, iconic uh, literary character that Edgar Rice Burroughs wrote? Pulpy, 1912 to 1948, Flash Gordon. You're in the ballpark. Your rationale, not in terms of tone, or tone. Mm. sorry, you are correct. No, we are Tarzan. Oh, there you go. So he wrote John Carter, which was phenomenally successful, and obviously Tarzan, which um, was probably adapted because it was just easier to adapt. It was a bit more readily for a film studio or, you know, for those fledgling cinematic companies to produce a Tarzan film was a bit easier than this John Carter. Shout out to old mate Johnny Weissmuller. Absolutely. And um, what was the other guy? Alexander Skarsgård. But you know that Johnny, Johnny Weissmuller was one of the greatest Olympic swimmers of all time? I did know that. Do you know that he was the first man to break one minute for a 100 metres freestyle? Uh, maybe. Did you know that Johnny Weissmuller never, ever got beaten in a swimming race in his whole career? I didn't. Uh, no, I didn't know that. He won a bronze medal at the Olympic Games. Well, Can maybe. you explain that? <laughs> he never, ever got beaten in a race. Did he dead heat? No. So how did he win a bronze medal? That's the question. So is that just one of those silly, like, what's his name? Um, what's that idiot's name? The oh, those stupid jokes about him. I'm just trying to imagine. No, Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris. No, no. Johnny Weissmuller never, ever got beaten in a swimming race in his whole life, yet he won a legitimately won a bronze medal at the Olympic Games. And you don't know the answer to how I that do. happened? I okay, do. tell no, me, exactly. please. He was a member of the US uh, oh, there you water go. polo team. Okay. And they won a bronze medal. Well, that's not a swimming race. Exactly right. Hence why he can still say, I never, ever got beaten in a swimming race in my life. Dumb questions. Dumb. Brilliant did you ever see that? Um, did you ever see that? I think uh, David Yates directed it. He directed the whole the last bunch of Harry Potter films. He did the, the Tarzan film like maybe seven or eight years ago. Uh, yeah, with... Margot Robbie played Jane. Oh, I didn't realise And uh, Robbie was Alexander Skarsgård was Tarzan. Uh, gotcha. And it was, uh, it was I can't a, even remember if I have seen it. It was a really quirky, like... It's all the one with Jason Lee in it. Yeah, it's, it's like fucking shredded. It was massive. Was that um, Jungle Book or Tarzan? Oh, either or. Um, oh, yeah, very different, aren't they? <laughs> I think that was uh, directed by. It might have been directed by um, Stephen Summers, who went on to direct the Mummy, The Mummy Returns. There you go. Um, no, so they, they did this Tarzan film, and it was sort of like I kind of get why you're trying to do this. Like I sort of mm. get it, but at the same time, it's I just don't think it's going to work. Yeah. And yeah, Margot Robbie. Hard to do. Very hard to do, and it just didn't quite land. Again, because it's just this very old style, which is why something like Pirates of the Caribbean being as successful as it was is like, this isn't a guarantee. No. It's it's walking a high wire. Yeah, yeah. But, but, if, but if you nail it, but if you've, you got, nail it, you've got carte blanche 100%. to do whatever you want with so it. So I understand why you would try to do it. And John Carter for exactly the same 100%. reason. 100%. Yeah. If this hits. If this comes off. You've got another four movies. Yeah. You've got, well, as you say, if got a, you've got eleven books worth get, of shit. Well, this is it. We're going to bring Iron Man back to life, and he's going to be the center of our universe. Who the fuck is Iron um, Man? Absolutely. So, and if you do it, you got to do it really well. I get why you would try to do Tarzan, but it does have a great line. Christoph Waltz played the bad guy, mm -hmm. a fantastic actor, and he's he's got Jane. They've kidnapped Jane, and from memory, the story he is doing the whole. He he is the. The, the man of class who's come back to the jungle. He's, he has gone and spent time in yeah. England. And like, he comes, like the legend of Greystone. 100%. Yeah. He's done that and he's gone back. 
and they've they've got Jane on this like um, paddle steamer thing, and they're you know they're trying to lure Tarzan. I think I'm. Oh, and there's this no. this is like it's actually quite a brilliant line where he um, he asks Jane to like to scream, like to be the damsel in distress, and she sort of eschews and thumbs her nose at this old trope from the serials. And Christoph Waltz sort of deadpans. He goes, "Oh, yo, why?" Blah blah. blah. And he goes, "Because you're Jane, and he's Tarzan, yeah. and he'll come for you." Yeah. And it's honestly, so you sort of go in this really not great film that's not really quite working. You're like, "That's actually really good." That's actually a pretty cool line. It's like yeah. it's actually a really fun kind of like, yeah, we're gonna have fun with the trope. Yep. Go, he'll come for you. You're Jane. He's Tarzan. Yep. And he'll come. Me Tarzan. He's Jane. It's brilliant. Yeah. Johnny Raincloud, Timbo. I have one. Yes. It's it's a little thing, and it just annoyed me, and it was disrespectful. Elise and I went out Saturday night. I thought you were going to talk about Ollie Robinson uh, for a moment. Yeah, well, there was a bit of that too. I didn't like it. I, I think you can be better than that. Oh, there's a time and place. If the bloke's made 140. Yeah, it's sort of like you've had a lot of opportunities to take a really key wicket and celebrate, and when you finally got him at 141 when he's been talking you everywhere. I think far be from you know to us to be pious about whatever, but I think if you get him out for five... yeah. When you know that he potentially could make a hundred and forty-one, like, he's made one hundred and forty. It'd be probably be best just to. He's punched holes in you, and yeah. you're not that fucking good. So, Continue, Tim. Yes, at least I went out Saturday night. Where to? We went to the Espy. Oh, I've not been to. The, well, actually, this is not true. I did go to the Espy. Because I go to the Espy every week. <laughs> Do you really? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no. I, so we went to the Espy. We, um, one of our favourite singers over a long period of time, and a, and a while ago, is Alex Lloyd. Oh, yeah. And, uh, she was amazing. Yes, correct. So Alex Lloyd um, played at the SB on Saturday night. So Elise saw the advertisement and went and bought it. So we went. It was in the Gershwin room and down the back, and which been to before and all that sort of stuff. And um, and he came out. He had uh, he played acoustic. He had uh, a uh, a woman with him who played the first half of the set on keyboards and then played the second half with violin, and she was fucking amazing. Anyway, he, he as part of his encore, he sings amazing, obviously, obviously. his number one hit, and he does um, a slower version of Hallelujah. I was going to say, he's going to sing Hallelujah, isn't yeah, he? I but, was going to say this. And, and it's a bit slower, and I, I, didn't, I can't say that – I think a lot of people would like the version because it's very brooding and different and all that sort of stuff, and, and I didn't mind it. And, and it was very – Every song he sung was a little bit slower version of what he's always done, and that was just that's what he was doing. But in Hallelujah, we're in this like we're in this room, and there's a bar, and you've gone to see Alex Lloyd sing, and there were people in the back having conversation, like a heap of people just talking away and all that sort of stuff. And you're going, if you want to catch up with your mates, go to the fucking bar, like be yeah, downstairs, sh- go shut elsewhere. the fuck up, yeah, shut the fuck up. Don't come to a music. Concert, especially if it's and a, try and have a fucking conversation again. If it's like if you're at the forum and you're seeing a, a rock band or whoever, yeah. you go, I won't be able to hear you. No, this is it. So don't even try. at the bar, yeah. But I mean, if you want to be at the bar having a chat with your mate, let's go your hardest. And he would have had he, he didn't take a break, it he would have done it was probably a 10 to 12 song presentation. It's like what, like just over an hour? It was an hour, yeah. and it was like. Whatever you really need to say, if you decide to come for the for a concert, say it outside well, or afterwards weird. or whatever. So I just was just a tiny little bit of disrespect where you just sort of thought, you know, be better. I saw a film. I don't I can't remember which film it was. It wasn't too long ago. It was last year, and um, someone was just like, 
someone was just on their phone, like yeah. as in, for the whole movie. And at one point they were watching like YouTube videos. Jesus and Christ. I was I was quite a, I was sort of quite a ways away from them. There was someone in between me. And we this guy, like we sort of just shot each other a look. And we're just like, what the fuck is this idiot doing? Why are you even? And he here? he actually because he was we were probably seven seats away from each other, and then this guy was probably ten seats away from him. Yeah. And we sort of just looked at each other and going, fuck is And we sort of thought, well, you know, it's a classic thing where you're like what is this asshole doing? Anyway, after like a minute, this guy goes, he's mate, what are you doing? And he was completely oblivious. Oblivious, yeah. And he's like, what are you doing, mate? He goes, it's really loud. He goes, like, you're listening. We can, Everyone here can hear what you're watching. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did he stop? Yeah, but he was like sort of grudging. Sort of like, oh, jeez. Yeah, you're putting me out. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> so, how about you fuck off? <laughs> what's your, uh, is, is, hallelujah, is it Jeff Buckley? Is that your... Oh, uh, see, Jeff Buckley was never one of my guys. So. See, I've come around. I think we've spoken about this on the pod. Yeah. I don't know why. I think I was looking for it for something. Yeah. And it was like, which version do you want to use? Because yep. it's fucking Rufus Sewell. Yeah, there's a million. There's obviously them. the Leonard Cohen. Yep. Um, did Rufus Sewell do the Shrek one? Maybe? Maybe, yes. Uh, obviously, Jeff Buckley. There's heaps. And I was, I was listening back to him, and I was sort of like, I think um, – I've come around on the Buckley one only yeah. because it's a bit it's a bit more sort of rough and raw. Well, try that. Try the Alex Lloyd one and see what you think. Because Alex Lloyd's a very very good singer. Mm. Um, but again, you know, he, he some of his other songs are better. But um, but we always loved Amazing, <laughs> and, it's, and it's really funny. Uh, and Elise will probably be listening to this now. Um, Elise and I both love the song, and oddly. It was a strange decision that we said um, one of my mates, Steve, is Look, a Jay? No, very, very good singer. Was Jay Hyde at the concert? No, he was not. Um, Steve studied at Victorian College of the Arts, can sing. And I asked Steve to sing at our wedding mm-hmm. and I asked him to sing Amazing. But, of course, if you listen to the lyrics of Amazing, it's about a relationship that was mm. and no, now no longer is. Mm. But while you were in it, it was Amazing. And as Steve sort of said afterwards, he goes, uh, or before before he performed it, he said, um, look, change the words a little bit. Yeah, really? <laughs> and so in the end, he sings a version of, you know, because like, you are amazing yeah. and we are amazing yeah. and all this, and, and it's just adapted enough to be able to say. The pathos. <laughs> yeah. You guys, you're getting married today and you're on to so much bigger and better things. It's that's not, like, this um, is over before it even started. That's like when, when the Port Adelaide started doing the Never Tear Us Apart. Yeah. And it was this, credit to them, it was this very, they obviously borrowed it from the anthems of soccer teams and, mm. and you know, the, the Red Sox have... Sweet Caroline and all that kind of stuff. You know, it's it's not a uh, unique to just one club in one league around the world. A lot of clubs have got those sort of songs. That, that they they'd sing. also just been through John McCarthy's death no, and all that it. sort so of stuff. So it, was really, perfect, it told a story at the but, right time. But even so, even the the relationship um, that they're forced to have between the Port Adelaide Magpies and the Power, yeah, yeah. and it was all very symbolic, and you know. Um, it fit like a glove. It was like this perfect yeah. sort of... You know, and they were doing it before anybody was I, doing it over here. That's it. And all the stars aligned and it was very organic and the crowd really bought into it. Yep. And that's what you need to happen. You need the crowd yep. to pick it up and run with and it. And the year we went to Port Adelaide for the first time for an interstate trip, I was really interested to see it, hear mm. it, feel it, all that sort of stuff. And again, did it well. So every club decided they wanted that for themselves. Yep. And the one that was being bandied around at Carlton as a potential option was... Um, one by U2. Yeah. 
Now, I don't know when the last time you listened to that. That's not a song. That's not a happy song. No, it's not. And that's the classic Bono spoken about how it's played at weddings. Yeah. It's like, you got to listen to it. Yes. Uh, well, that was. <laughs> it's not what you. It's you're really not listening to the words. Well, that was the comment. So they wanted to. St- they they were trying to get this thing up at Carlton. That's going to be our thing. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. so I think eventually someone at the club was like, I think you got to listen to the song. Yeah. Well, Alex Lloyd made the comment. He said, I. He said I was walking through, Aldi at eight thirty in the morning. And he was trying of, to get those and, deals, wasn't he? He was trying to get those whatever day the deal, the new products come out. They had a they had an angle grinder that he really had his eyes on. Ten man tent for seventy five dollars. Yes, I've got to get it. But he and I forget the name of the song, and and it probably kills the story a little bit. But he said um, he said one of my songs was playing. It was eight thirty in the morning. And the song's about suicide, and he sort of said, "Because I'm here at Aldi trying to pick up this said, ten man tent." He said, I'm you thinking, could have gone with green. You could have gone with amazing, but you've decided to go with this, and you're going all oh, power to you. That's like the you know we we didn't get the chance to talk about it last week because Fab was hosting and he spent two seconds on it, but um, we did you know money for nothing. Yep, the dire straits the other week. You know what I always found interesting, and I was going to bring this up, but uh, we had spoken about it last week. So every single Christmas, there's this big hoo-ha about fairy tale of New York, the Pogues. Yeah, yeah. And now there's the line, you know, such and such, faggot. It's the line in the song and it's yep. this, can't play it, you can't, got to censor it and it's going to flow on into my Johnny Raincloud. We've got to censor it and we've got to edit it and it's this and it's this and it's this. Does Money for Nothing ever cop that heat? It clearly doesn't. It clearly doesn't and it's far worse than that. Yeah. If, if that's what we're getting our knickers in a twist over – and if that's what we're the hill we're dying on, you're like it's like I do I do hope that they play it like every morning at the good guys or something, just before they're getting ready to open up shop and sell some some microwaves and dishwashers they and stuff. They really should. In terms of censoring, my Johnny Rainclad Tim Davis is I don't know if you saw recently a little bit of a furor kicked up on Twitter. And this is part of the beauty of Twitter. There are there are little rabbit holes and there are little sections of Twitter and little communities within the bigger community, etc. So film Twitter was a bit frustrated a couple of weeks ago about um, the French Connection. Okay. So made in 1971, William Friedkin. One of the great car chasers. Popeye Doyle, of course, Gene Hackman, won uh, Best Actor at the Oscars. I think the film actually won Best Picture. Yep. And it was interesting because it heralded a a little bit of a shift and a change in cinema and the types of characters that were being presented on the screen. You'd you'd gone away from a very conservative America and it had shifted into this kind of post-Vietnam War. Uh, It was all very interesting and very gritty and kind of a bit seedy and uncomfortable, et cetera. And even if you watch it today, the film's 52-odd years old and it's um, whilst very much a product of its time, I think it still hits all the right beats and whatever. So anyway, someone was watching the film on Disney, which now owns, I assume it was made by Fox back in the day, and someone has edited nine seconds out of the movie. Wow. Where and the, the the context of the scene is it's very early in the movie and he comes back to the precinct and he's having a back and forth with his uh, the, the guy there, Gene Hackman's Popeye Doyle, and he um, he's talking to someone. Uh, you know, it's been an altercation, and he says the phrase "never trust a n word." Okay, yeah. Someone's yep. been stabbed. Yep. And in passing, he says, "Never trust an n word." And it's always funny how you don't feel comfortable saying a word even if it's in context. Yep. It's weird. So that's been edited from the movie yep. and it's been clumsily, clunkily, it's just clipped out. Yep. There's just nine seconds of the film that just aren't there anymore. And people could say, what's the point? Why are you angry? It's censorship. Yeah. And you were changing something. The author of this piece, wouldn't, William Friedkin, wouldn't have been a fucking million years yep. have said, yeah, edit that out. And the danger that it creates is, 
who's making the decision? Yeah. Is it you? Is it someone else? Is it I just saw, I was watching the French Connection the other night and, and there's the word in it that I don't like. And I just cut it out. <laughs> and it's even in the context of the film in 1971, you're meant to watch that and go, oh, that's a bit ugly. Mm. Yeah. F- even 52 years ago, you're meant to you meant to your protagonist, lead character of the film, who is this hard-nosed anti-hero, you're meant to go, oh. Yeah. You're meant to bristle at it. Yep. And it's telling you this guy's not squeaky clean. Yep. And it's just a little thing that the Johnny Rain cloud is, or where does it stop? Yep. Where does this censorship I, or altering I'm, of art? I'm offended. But where you go? Where does it stop? Where does whatever moment you want to think about in whatever film that? I mean, famously, Netflix did it with um, Back to the Future Two, and it was even more ridiculous. They cut out when he's looking through. You know, he's Biff's changed the magazines, and yep. it's ooh la la. Oh yeah, and yeah. he's flipping through it, and they literally just cut out uh, an insert of the magazine. Wow. And you're sort of going. They were wearing lingerie. They were wearing lingerie. Yeah. But, but someone at Netflix went, oh, no, I don't like when to cut that out. That's too much. That's too much. A 16-year-old, 17-year-old kid is looking at women in lingerie. But, God forbid no, but this is, at that age. You go, well, where does that lead? Who's making these calls? Whose responsibility is Whose responsibility is it from the company Disney who now own that film yep. to say we have edited the movie? Yeah. Are, do they have a responsibility to at the start of the film or in the notes, in the credit notes, on the Disney Plus streaming page or whatever, say we have edited five minutes and nine seconds to five minutes and eight seconds, removing a racial epithet. Yep. Whose responsibility? Because a, you either—that's disgusting in its own right. You can't be doing that. You have to tell people you've altered the source. Yep. And then that just creates more problems about where streaming's going, less physical media ownership of well, what else are you changing? Yeah. Yeah. What else have I not seen that I should? From these, from it's art. You can't go into the fucking Louvre. And tear a strip off and say, no, nah, I don't like this so, bit. I'm getting rid of it. Yeah, it's a bad hairstyle, Mona Lisa. But you can't. Yeah. And you wouldn't. And this is no different. Well, as uh, I think Fab's always told the story too, where you, we, we, when we grew up, you were always recording movies on whatever night they were off on. Off TV. Off TV with your VCR. Or doing the old dual VCR. Yeah, yep. And high... What, what was it always? High speed dubbing, all yeah. that sort of stuff. And the amount of times, you know, we we grew up on the television version of insert movie here. And you watch it and you know it word for word. And then all of a sudden, 20 years later, you watch the full version of this movie that you almost know word for word. And there's all these swear words, <laughs> extra mm. swear words in it. And you've gone... Fuck, this movie's changed. You know, and you're and going, see, that's the thing. You go, going, for, I get it. For broadcast TV, yep. you can maybe make the case yep. that we can censor. They do it with music where they have obviously certain songs will have a clean version yep. to be yep. played on the radio. And you're like, okay, that might be a distributorship thing that they've done a deal with the prank company that we're going to cut the fucks and the whatever's out. And you go, yep. okay, we want to show it on 8.30 on Channel 7. Correct. Sure thing. But on streaming, on demand... No. You've gone to the movie for that reason. 100%. You want to see the unfettered and it's, version. It's, it's a slippery slope, Tim, and it's something yep. that I don't like. And it's a Pandora's box you don't it want open. It is a Pandora's box, 100%. Tim Davis, that brings us to an end of another episode uh, for Fabian Guadagnolo. We love you, Fab. Arrivederci. Arrivederci Ragazzi. For Timothy Davis. Always a pleasure, Sean. For me, Sean Peter Budge, we're going to be playing our printed DJ for this week, as always. Is it another banger? Uh... 
Um, yeah. Oh, very good one. Yeah. Madonna. Madonna. So, Prenda DJ, hashtag Prenda DJ, guess the theme. We'll give you a shout out. Goodbye. <laughs>